Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome to Mastering the Storm, a Heroes of the Storm podcast. I'm your host, LDAP. Joined by Wenzeltron, per usual. Separate, buddy. Yeah, it's been a pretty interesting week. We had a big little event over the weekend called BlizzCon. Just, seems just to a little have, thing. Seems to have attracted quite a lot of attention, not so much because of uh, some of the more prominent game announcements, but more of the more infamous game announcements. I'm mm. talking about... The good old Diablo announcement <laughs> supposed to be blowing up the internet. <sighs> but anyway, I did get to get to listen to that pretty much the entire weekend and nice. moderate, help moderate. Uh, what'd you guys do this week? Um, well, I just well, I did a little, a lot actually. We we went and saw what was it? Free Solo on Sunday, which is a climbing movie. So it's like a rock climber. And so the guy, his name is Alex Honnold, and he free soloed El Capitan, which is in Yosemite. And so free soloing is without any equipment. There's no ropes, no anything. You just climb it raw. You just got your grip and your shoes and you just climb up the wall. It's insane. It's like 3000 feet of elevation. Now, so he has no cramp. He has nothing to like no ropes to. No. Yeah. So if you fall, you die, basically. Wow. It's insane. It is ridiculously insane. <laughs> Do they make him sign a waiver when he starts it? <laughs> no, I mean, this is the kind of thing that as they like set up the whole story, it's like, hey, you're the guy like he's this dude. And he's like, everyone who's tried free soloing before has wound up dead before me. <laughs> For well, obvious yeah. reasons, right? And yeah. um they also like did some brain scans on him, which is so, kind of interesting. Where his his amygdala, which is the fear center of the brain, mm-hmm. takes a much higher threshold before he actually feels fear. So it's not that he doesn't feel fear; it's just that his threshold for fear is much higher than the average person, which is interesting. So he's like rich, right? When he you know, rich, yeah. when he just walks in, and plays Alarak, and yeah, you know, where he just, he just like, casual with doesn't... how he plays. He's <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. Like, I do this every day. It's, it, it was an insane movie, though. Like, the way they filmed it and everything was just, like, you felt like any moment he was going to die, even though you know he's not going to die, if that makes sense. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, my weekend, my weekend was pretty much BlizzCon, you know I mean? Yeah, um, I watched BlizzCon Saturday. That's what I did Saturday. I was yeah. like, trying to remember what I did Saturday. <laughs> yeah, and it was funny because I thought I was going to play a little bit more Heroes while waiting for BlizzCon, but that didn't pan out. I had to edit our show and mm-hmm. had a you know bunch of little things to do on Reddit and stuff. So, um, But for the most part, you know, BlizzCon, you know, the, the opening ceremony always has like that kind of emotional tug to me a little bit, you know, where you know, they, they always talk about coming back home. And I do feel like, you know, that that re, that speaks to me, you know, that resonates with me because mm-hmm. um, I do feel like BlizzCon is kind of like a home, you know, like where yeah. I feel like I'm with my peeps, you know, you might say. And, you know, hearing the opening ceremony, seeing Mike Moore, uh, Mike Moreheim come out and do that address. I was, you know, I think we we're all concerned that he wouldn't show up and he did. And that was really awesome. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Like. Um, yeah. The passing of the torch, so to speak, you know? Yeah, yeah. And Jay Allen Brack, you know, he did that, you know, kind of, uh, you know, the uh, kind of the uh, homage to him. And then he went off and did his part of it. And then, you know, I mean, they had some technical difficulties, you know, mm-hmm. doing some of the transitions. Obviously, uh, the Warcraft 3 
um, uh, re, you know, whatever they're going to call re, reload or whatever. Relaunch. Remastered. Relaunch, remastered, you know. Uh, that was awesome. I immediately purchased it, you know, so that was an instant buy for me. Yeah, I saw your... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> and, and then they had the ending with this thing called Diablo Immortal. And, yeah. you know... Yeah, and uh, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm ambivalent to it. It's like, you know, I don't really play many mobile games. I'm not, and mm -hmm. games like that, I don't typically play on mobile platforms. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, I don't want my battery to be blown away. Or like I mean, that. that's usually what happens, right? Like when you play on your phone. Yeah. But I, you know, I will say that I, you know, I like the premise where they're telling the story between Diablo 2 and Diablo 3, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's, that that's definitely good, but they really should have also announced like Diablo 2 rework or something like that. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this before, like they could have done what like Bethesda did, where it was just a floating like text of like Diablo 4 and like, you know, some scenery behind it or whatever, like just a little something, something to keep people yeah. well, I mean, really, in some way. They really should have thought about what they were what they were going to do in the future. And then, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they don't want to give away Diablo 4, right? But right. maybe they are going to rework Diablo 2 and put it on the launcher, right? Right. So, um, you know, I don't know. But if that, if that was in your cards, you might you might want to have done that and appease the fans, you know? So then, of course, the way they handled it in social media, not so good. Right. You know? Um, and it bled, and then the backlash has bled into the years of the storm subreddit. And, you know, it's funny because they talk about, you know, you know, Blizzard mobile apps and, you know, and it, there's a lot of these memes about the mobile apps. I'll yeah. tell you right now, if you want to, if Blizzard wanted to like, you know, get a mobile app for Heroes of the Storm, they should just buy Hots Complete. <laughs> that's the, that's the app I use all the time to look mm -hmm. at win rates, you know, builds. I mean, to me, that would be an awesome addition to their portfolio, you know, just right. pay Holander Publications, whatever his name is, just Throw a lot of money at him and just take that <laughs> and, and add the Blizzard logos on it. And, you know, Bob's your uncle. I mean, that could be their <laughs> that could be their win rate. Right. You know, everyone talks about having like an API. That could be the way they expose the uh, the win rates for heroes. I mean, yeah, it's a really good app. I mean, it's like, you know, and it's all done, you know. So, yeah, if they wanted to win in the mobile market, that's the one they would. That would be the one I would pick. <laughs> yeah. So, and, he's doing, and I don't even know if you know this, but um, I don't know if you use it, but it's got a little trivia. Thing. Oh, really? You click on it every, every day, you know, for, I guess, like 12 hours. He's got a little trivia. And basically, it's like a screen, and it, like, gives you three options to choose from. And it usually says, like, who has the highest win rate, which which ability is a Q ability, W ability, E ability. He's got 20 questions, and you get a score at the end. So it's, like, also one of those tools for helping you, oh, wow. you know, memorize, memorize some things, too, you know, and associate with – it's usually pretty easy to associate which hero gets things, but you get my point. It's a good memory tool as well. So, I mean, That's cool. I don't know. I like – yeah, I like it. So yeah, I just try to stay away from as many um, apps as possible. But other than that, like um, I think like the whole mobile thing. I was trying to think about it, right? And me and my brother had a little discussion. And basically, you know, Fallout Shelter, or at least have you heard of it? Mm -hmm. So it's like a yeah. it's a mobile Fallout game where you build like your little shelter base. Yeah. And so one of the weird little stats about that game is. In the first year of deployment of that game as a mobile game, it made more money than all three of their past full council releases total, including DLC. Wow. Yeah. So mobile is a cash cow that people don't realize. For 
the hardcore gamer, i.e. Diablo community, right? They mm-hmm. they don't like that format, right? Because it's casual. It's for the time in between where you're not just like, you know, setting time on your day to go play this video game. It's for like, right. you know, you're in the bathroom or you're on the train or you're whatever. Whatever yeah. you're doing, you have a few minutes to kill. You're going to jump in and play a little bit. I get it, right? I get why you're upset. But if Diablo needs Diablo needs a a cash cow model for them to create money to then fund future development, right? Because right now, mm-hmm. with the way that they're set up, is they make zero money. That you like realistically, you know, it's it's money from council purchases, but then the game just exists and it's a server, you know, cash sink yeah. from that point forward. <laughs> yeah. So Blizzard has to figure out a way to keep that franchise alive in a, in a different way, unless they want to go the route of like cosmetics and loot boxes, like for the rest of their games. Which will probably get backlash as well. So right. Yeah. So they decided to go do the Blizzard thing and tackle a different genre, right? Right. And they partnered with a company that's already got products in that space. So I mean that makes it even easier for the barrier of entry too, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I get why they're upset, but at the same time, I see why Blizzard's trying to do it. Yeah, and I mean, you know, like I said, I think narratively, you know, the, this is another thing that's kind of like hot on the Reddit, com- you know, Reddit comments is a lot of people don't like this whole Nexus storyline that they came up with with hmm. a, to justify the character Afia. You know, they what are the want to, Do you know? They just think it's well. They think that she's lolly bait. They and you know that's just the lollies are. Uh, people who have relationships or are intimate with, in, you know, with the, these types of characters, they think they're married to them or something like that. That's um, weird. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, it's it's a it's a fetish, you know, mm-hmm. just like, you know. But the idea is like they might uh, they'll take a pillow and put the put the, an image of the uh, the character on it and they sleep with the pillow, you know, like they're in a relationship. And uh, it's more it's bigger in anime, of course, but. Um, so that's the number one criticism. It's because she's young. She's a you know preteen, you know girl, you know with special abilities. But um, I think a lot of people find that the whole the four comic book series and the and the justification of this character objectionable. Like it was forced. And to me, I'm like, yeah, I didn't get totally into the comic, you know, per right, se. I right. mean, but to me, I can understand why they did it because number one, they wanted something like they've said. We wanted something to tie all these battlegrounds together and give it a narrative yeah more importantly it's a muse right it's it's a it's a it's something to inspire their their content creators and such and i thought that would make sense you know and i to be honest with you every event that came out this year every event you know maybe the lunar event not so much but every event that was associated with the with the this dark nexus or this this thing was amazing from Mechatron, you know, the, yeah. that thing to, you know, the Dark Nexus where they introduced the Alarak and, you know, that and whole the, thing. Um, and Mechaterial one. Yeah, well, that was a Mechatron, but, you know. Oh, but, sorry, I was know, thinking the Waste, the, the Waste one. The, the, the Waste Mad, one's another one? The Mad one? Max and then Diablo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or not the Diablo, the, the, the Luchador. Yeah, Luchador, the, the Luchador. That was amazing. And then that's another thing. Some people say, well, you know, you have this serious storyline then you don't have, but you can't, you're not supposed to be able to do these fun things like right. the luchadors. And I'm like, that's not true. I mean, you should, you should be doing that as well. You know, um, you know, anything's on the table and, you know, with that, you know, it's like, you know, they make it sound like, well, you can only have the, the, the drama. 
can't have the other stuff. No, the universe is yeah. so that's like the 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 skins with uh, Ophelia, where she's in high school, you know, and she's a pre you know bratty teen, and they got the Luaric. They're saying that doesn't fit. It does fit. It just doesn't fit that you know that comic book series. But it's all part of the the Nexus, right? I think so. I'm like to me, yeah. It's like. <laughs> It's just creativity, right? They're just letting the yeah. dev, dev team just have fun with it, right? Because, I mean, it's already the Blizzard's playground, right? Yeah. And then this just gives them an excuse to tinker with different skins and be have fun with it. And then on top of that, yeah. I think sometimes it can be a little... It can be a little daunting, right? To, like, if you just mm-hmm. think about it from, from a standpoint of how they make their heroes, right? All of the heroes mm-hmm. they've made up until Orphea had a very, very solidified, you know, fantasy and kind of like what players expect to see from yeah. the hero, right? That's right. a huge act to follow. You know, yeah. you, you got you have four abilities plus a trait to capture the essence of a hero. You know? Yeah. That's scary and, as hell. <laughs> right. And then so this Nexus, yeah, this this new universe in the Nexus is an opportunity to introduce characters that aren't part of the canons of all the other mm-hmm. properties so they can experiment with different abilities that they want to. Right. Yeah. 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 I get it. You know, and I'm not, I just, you know, like, but everyone kind of has this kind of like narrow perspective, like, well, if they do this, they can't do this. And it's like, no, Nexus, you know, here's the storm is pretty open. It's an homage. It's, it's a, it's a love letter to the, you know, to all the blizzard properties. It's got its own thing. Now it's established. Whether you like it or you don't like it, it's there. And it gives them an opportunity to, if they want to create like the storm map or they want to create the uh, the what's it, the new Stormwind map, they can do all this stuff now. I would love to see that. Neo Stormwind. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just, you know, it gives them an opportunity. So I think that, you know, I didn't understand it at first back in March when they announced it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I you know, I didn't understand, but now that I see the big picture. I understand the comic books helped them, you know, engage and understand this universe more so they can feel more connected when they're building new assets for it, yeah. you know? And, you know, I hats off to them. You know, it, t- it sometimes takes the time to build the architecture to then establish what's going to go forward with it, you know? And I still think they're going to have those fun events. You know, there's like, you know, like the high school event or, you know, you know, it's funny. Is uh, there were in StarCraft, they had the similar thing with Kerrigan in high school and, and Jimmy Rayner in high school and stuff. Yeah. So I could see that kind of cross crossing over. You see, like a young Jimmy Rayner and Kerrigan, you know, and 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 Zeratul and stuff like that. So, you know, I mean, I think I can see that stuff kind of. And and let's face it, Janitor Yorick, you know. I mean, that has been the mem of mems on the Heroes of the Storm subreddit. I mean, everybody's forever. wanted that forever. Yeah, and they, they, yeah, it's never going to happen. You know, they've kind of hemmed and hung. there. And there he is, glory. And every, you know, it's like every aspect of that hero is in there. <laughs> so I'm like, mm-hmm. that's a true love letter to the fans. In fact, I think everything they said in the, uh, you know, to, other than the Philia, uh, was a love letter to Blizzard fans. You know, uh, here's the Storm fan. The Kroken, the uh, Kroken, uh, the Kroken um, announcer, you know, the 6.5 banner that's coming out. I mean, yeah. these are all just, you know, it's acknowledging our their fan base. And 
I have a I have, I'm pretty stoked for 2019, you know. Me too. With what what they what they have announced for the matchmaking and the future. And I mean, maybe that's a pretty good transition to getting to uh, the the what's next panel and discussing what was announced and our thoughts about that. So um, any uh, thoughts <laughs> You know, before we transition to that or? No, we can transition. I think we're good. Okay. So um, there were the on Friday around um, seven o'clock Eastern Standard Time, um, they had the uh, Here's the Storm What's Next panel. Uh, it was on the Mythic stage and it was hosted by uh, Koa Miller uh, Milker, uh, Joe Piperori, and Matt Cooper. And um, Joe uh, Piperori, I'm gonna, I'm butchering this guy. He reminds mm -hmm. me of Asmogold. This guy, like, I don't know if you guys oh, really? see the What's Next, he he looks and sounds like Asmogold. So That's funny. <laughs> I did watch it, I just don't, I don't remember voices. He was, all the, he was the middle guy. Okay. He was like the middle guy, he was kind of, so. So when uh, they first, they went down the 2018 retrospective, they talked about, you know, things that uh that they they announced and things they um uh that they've been kind of like focused on but they've had to put away so specifically um they, they want to be more transparent and so one of the things that they did announce was custom map editor but unfortunately due to the you know restraints uh, on time money and, and effort that's kind of on the back burner now. So there's gonna there's not gonna be a custom map editor for Heroes of the Storm this year in 2019. <clears throat> um, but they did say the party finder and the social features are not dead. They're just uh, a lot more work to get those those features complete. Um, Interesting. Also, the performance based matchmaking um, didn't do what they expected it to do. More, I guess they thought they had a plan for it, and then it just didn't roll out. So they feel like it. They're, they're using it, but they didn't use it for the actual matchmaking components. What they do, what they're using it for now, it appears to be things like trying to determine if people are throwing matches. Um, uh, it's part of their analysis of um, uh, people that are um, disrupting the game per se. And then, huh. in addition to that, it's also the engine that fuels some of those little tidbits that you get at the end of a match, saying, you know, you die less than you, <laughs> you have in yeah, previous matches. Yeah, the stats. And so, and going forward, it's going to be featured uh, as one of the a new, one of the next one of the summaries that you might get at the end of a match. So they're going to be using that to kind of help you understand how your character performed in that match, not just the, the raw statistics, but maybe like how you compare to other Alarak players or how do you compare, you know, you get my point. It's going to try yeah. to give you pointers on areas that you can, that you did well, but also areas that you can improve upon. Um, uh, the other thing that they're, they're focusing on is content and they're going to continue to produce, uh, prioritize, you know, giving us new content and, you know, the events and things like that. So, yes. um, cause they don't want you to feel the game is stale. Um, so, and currently right now, they've talked about there was eight heroes released and uh, Ophelia is the ninth hero this season. Um, and then uh, they, they did do one battleground, but then they also did three, rework, three reworks, um, Hanamura, uh, Temple, Garden of Terror. Oh, I'm sorry, two reworks. Um, so it was total three battleground changes this year. Mm -hmm. um, then they talked about all the events, you know, just the Mecha Storm event and the King's Crest. Um, 
they talked about the four comic books, you know, editions. Uh, and of course, then he started talking about some of the major things they did this year, which included voice chat and the third band being implemented. Um, then he also talked about like the, uh, they had a couple of those verses uh, as part of the events, like the Nexomania, Echoes of Alarak, Fall of King's Crest. You had to choose something. So they, they talked about um, the results of that. So in the ne Nexomania, you had a choice between Lenara or Sonia, and Lenara got 53% of the votes. Oh, and dang. Then, and then in Echoes of Alarak, uh, the Horde got 58% of the votes. And then, um, and then uh, when it came to the uh, King's Crest event, the defiled, the defied, defiled tombstone mount was picked sixty-four percent of the time. So what they've said is the tombstone I picked. <laughs> so the, the defiled one is the one that has a little orange uh, skull floating behind it. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's I still why remember. I picked. That's why. I picked. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, they really felt that these events. Uh, engage players, and they, they want to have more of these events next year. In addition to that, I think you and I were kibitzing back and forth how many um, reworks, hero reworks. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and the magic number was 11. We were close. And I think, yeah. And I think, well. Oh, no, we were yeah, right. We, we got to nine, but if you add in right. the two they announced the at BlizzCon. Right. So there were nine, and then there, so there's a total of 11. So, you know, so the total is nine here, uh, new heroes, right? And uh, 11 reworks. And that's, you know, kind of like in a, a little stable year. So maybe next year they might stabilize on 12 hero reworks. And once again, the nine to 10 mark on the hero releases. I mean, it's kind of um, insane if you think about it. Right. So in 2019, you could probably expect at least 10 heroes, nine to 10 heroes, 12 reworks and a new map. And maybe a rework of one or two additional maps. Like, yeah. Know, so, so that's like what you can look forward throughout the year. But in addition to that, they started discussing what's going to come next. And the first thing they did that was on their plate was the roll update. Um, that's this huge. We've known about it. Uh, they kind of just came full circle and they said everything that you saw on that T-shirt is true. We're going to have tanks, bruisers, healers, supports, melee assassins, and ranged assassins. So, and of course, Range Assassins is huge. It's got twice as many yeah. heroes than the other. So my question is then, do you think they should have a sub filter on that for burst first poke? I feel like there should be. Yeah. I feel yeah, like there should I be think, a sub filter. Yeah, there's two things I think people, when I think, like you said, uh, burst versus poke and also mage versus um like you don't want to have three mages, yeah, know, or two. Well, mages. that's what I—that's kind of like the distinction versus mage versus or yeah. burst versus poke. Because yeah. if you say mage, right, then that means like Mephisto is a mage, but he's not the same mage as like Lee Ming. Yeah, you know. So there's so that's why I think burst versus poke is kind of a better descriptor for the category. Right. And the bottom line is they can keep the categories, but just make sure the filters or the search filters. Yeah, can, the just, just a subcategory within. Right, right. So make sure that there's a key. Oh, did, where did Varian show up? Is he a bruiser? Varian, he's a bruiser. So we were talking about this before, right? So if he's a bruiser, does that mean tank spec goes away? No. Or, or is, he just a tank? is it that he's just a different type of tank? Yeah, they just considered a tank. They just considered still a bruiser. Mm -hmm. I mean, but, you know, they might, it might be these heroes that are bridging, like Murky. How does Murky? <laughs> yeah, well, Murky's weird, right? And so is yeah. um, 
Maybe that means they got reworked, right? Yeah, and the Living Vikings, the Lost Vikings are the Living are Vikings. <laughs> the Living Vikings, the Lost Vikings are supports. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and then you know, obviously, people feel Tassadar needs a little bit of a change. You know, per se. I wish um, I kind of would like to see if Tassadar goes to Assassin. No, I think that they they want to have a number of supports, and I think no, they I agree. just are, yeah. And the thing about Tassadar is his shields. He has the his shields are the highest ranking shields out there. Right. So I mean, shields are I just crazy. Think that they, right. So I think they just with the shield with all the spell power and shield reworks and stuff. I think mm-hmm. that they're he's going to be him and Uther are going to be candidates for optimizing that you know, yeah. to some degree. So, um, and then was it Zarya's once again? You know, another shield uh, type character. So, um, so yeah. So there's that. Um, so then Quick Match is going to get renamed as well. It's going to be called Call of the Nexus. So basically it's Quick Match. It's their most popular form because you could just pick a hero, queue up, and you're in. So what they wanted to do is um, obviously they want to address the fact that the compositions that don't have tanks and supports um, are not optimal. Yes. And they also treat, teach people with some bad habits, right? A lot so of bad what, habits. Right. So what they want to make sure is that each... Um, team is composed of a you know of a tank of a support and at least one range assassin and the other mm-hmm. two are random right and then they're going to also put xp bonuses for people to queue up for a specific role in that mode so it's like, like dungeon up, finder right but only at key times right yeah, it's not going to be on all 24 7 so i guess you're going to see a notice that they're they're looking for like tanks and supports and if you want to get some bonus xp you can click on uh, a tank or, uh, or a healer or probably a tank or a healer and you'll get some bonuses. Yeah, I would assume either one of those roles is going to be the ones that right. requires more people. Which I think is good because then, you know, if you do look at the tanks, you know, and you want to practice them or, or the actual healers, mm-hmm. you want to practice them, you know you're going to be in a team that will actually, you can practice Work that skill. It. Yeah, right. I think that's the biggest well, issue, right? Or one right. of the biggest issues. Because sometimes you can play healer and you have no, you know, you have no tank and you're pretty much like getting jumped on all the time. Right. So that's like how do you really practice to... the right thing? Because right. the thing about tanks and supports is like, I don't want to oversell this. Maybe 60 percent of the of the playing that role effectively is positioning. It's skills that mm-hmm. are not effectively communicated because in the quick match environment, you have to do things that don't make sense for your role. Like exactly like like when we like to kind of just as an example is when we play team league sometimes and we get lower ranked bronze players or whatever. And like say, I, I mean, I usually like I would say like 95 percent of the time I'm playing a tank. But on that one, like on that off chance that I just don't feel like playing one or their team needed something else or someone snap pick something. I've we've had those issues where people play a tank, but then instead of being that front line, the guy who engages, who's, you know, being there for the team. He's one, not communicating, and two, he goes sides and go be an offlaner instead. And that right. th- that's a quick match mentality, right? Because everyone mm-hmm. is so hyper-focused about soaking, right? And I, we, I think we've talked about the point, but I think there's a, there's a point of nuance that needs to be um, cleared up here, is you don't need someone in the lane 100% of the time. What you can do is you can kill a wave and leave it, because as long as the minions don't get killed by the tower before you get there, you don't lose any experience. 
But if they get killed right. but with no one nearby, then you lose the experience. So, right. like, killing the wave really fast and letting your wave push forward and leaving and going to do something else, a camp or, like, attempt to gank, that's fine. But, like, I think this just needs to be more aware because, like, you don't need to be there in the lane all the time to make it, like, get the XP soak. That's why the four-man rotation is a thing. That's why it's mm-hmm. even possible. So. Yeah, totally agree. Totally different tangent, but I think it's... <laughs> yeah. No, but the idea is that Quick Match has been Clown Fiesta. And, yes. you know, I played, like I told you, I played a year's worth of Quick Match. I mean, me too. That was my primary yeah. mode. I mean, all my videos yeah. were basically Quick Match videos. Yeah. And, but to me, um, I did it so I learned the heroes. But then I realized, you know, afterwards, there's two things I didn't like about Quick Match. Number one, there was always a disconnect because people don't take Quick Match very seriously. So people will just, you know, AFK out or disconnect yeah. or pull their network cable if they don't like it. Pick it, right? <laughs> right. So that was one of the things they didn't like. And that was frustrating because I'm trying. And then I got two AIs on my team, right? So it's like, and then, you know, the other thing was there was just these weird comps, you know, so I didn't feel like I was really learning the game towards the end. Um, so when I went into, you know, playing Cure League and Team League, that was a lot different, you know. So I definitely think that this is a, a good one. Now, I still, you know, what's funny is I I kind of swore off Quick Match for um, the first part of the year. I've been playing a little bit more Quick Match lately when I've been trying to just try out some things with my heroes before I put them in Team League and Hero League. So I'm back to playing some Quick Match now. So, But it's still this frustrating experience sometimes where you have the weird comp or the, uh, you know, the, the AFK or disconnectors. So, um I am looking forward to this change and I, you know, I think it's a welcome change for a lot of people. And, um, you know, I don't think anyone's been totally vocal against it, you know, per se. I think everyone's feels that all the changes that they're putting there, bonus XP, the whole nine yards, mm-hmm. um, are good things, you know? So I, I don't, I didn't hear any negatives about that. The is usually someone figures out something's wrong with it, but yeah, uh, it seems like it's made its, uh, made its mark. But of course the, the devil's in the details, right? We'll, right will know when quick you know queue times right that'll be it's for and generally speaking after every major pack quick match gets some kind of weird uh problem so yeah there's we'll, a matchmaking issue or something stops working. yeah yeah so yeah so well, this will definitely probably you know set your expectations low expect some bugs when it's first released but it'll get smoothed out in about a week so until and then yeah. when the the code and the qc checks so that's good. Now, the other major thing they announced, and I think this is also good for quick match, but all matchmaking modes is the they're changing the stim pack from being just a, affecting one player, you know, the person with the stim pack to affecting all parties. So basically, you're 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 they're renaming it to what's called a boost. It's going to have a different symbol. It's going to look green this time. Mm. And um, it's the same as a stim pack with regards to how you purchase it. They have the small, medium, and large. You know, the 365, the one month, and the one week, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can still get boosts in your um, you know, your uh, your loot boxes. They usually have three-day stim pack or, or boosts. Um, they And I think they cost the same. But the difference is, is that m- in addition to all the bonus XP you get, you're going to give everyone 5% bonus XP if you have a boost in I like that change, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. In addition, it can, you know, so basically if all nine, if all 10 players give um, have boosts enabled, you can get a maximum of 45% um, bonus XP on That's top kind of, of your... That's 
Yeah. No, no, no. Don't know like how that is a multiple. You know, I usually think the way they do it is you have the base XP, then you get your bonus XP. There's got to be a limit. You yeah, know. so you're not going to get a bonus XP on top of your your bonus. Yeah. In addition to that, you don't um, you can only get 45 percent, so you don't boost yourself. You can only boost everyone else. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, boosts are, you know, things you share now. And I I guess that they're trying to incentivize that, you know. And the last thing they did in the PTR, because they did put the boosts in this week, along with um, uh, the new hero, is uh at the end of the score screen, you can activate a boost or buy a boost at the end of a match. That's so fair. this is well, this is met with some, you know, criticism, obviously, because, you know, what they're doing is making you, you know, they're doing the mobile, you know, trick where if you incentivizing if you, purchasing. Yes. And so or a lot of people, not really incentivizing, more just like putting it in front of people. So then it's more likely to get clicks, I guess, is the exactly. way to describe it. Yes. And so, you know, for those people, they, they said Blizzard's gone full EA on. So <laughs> really I don't know if you'd go that far, but I. But yeah, the bottom line is this is a good thing for everyone. Um, if you buy boosts, you know, or if you buy your yearly boost like I do, this isn't going to matter to you. And it's just to me, it's more bonus. I'm debating whether or not I want to do that this year. I might. The way I look at it is that if you don't want to buy the heroes, you know, the outright. Now, yeah. last, I would say the year before, I got a really good deal because I could buy, what, 15 heroes for the <laughs> price of, you know, this year it was down to 10, but then they had all those cool mounts. So, you know, there's 10,000 gold to 12,000 gold mounts. There's mount sinks. So it kind of evens itself out, you know, in a purchase wise, because it's like 60 or 70 bucks for mm-hmm. a 365 pass. So what the hell, you know, you would spend yeah. that much. You know, buying heroes anyway. And then, of course, it accelerates loot boxes. So you get, you know, your loot boxes quicker. So, um, sounds like a win win win. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, it is a thing. And it, you're so, in the way I look at it, I'm supporting Blizzard, right? So it's like, you know, and right. supporting the development of the game. And this I is mean, the game I play. I mean, you're voting with your dollars, so to speak. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't play Overwatch, you know, so I don't buy any Overwatch stuff. Oh. I, I do, I do buy the heroes for StarCraft when they go on sale. Um, I don't play World of Warcraft anymore, and so here's is kind of like where my you know my gaming dollars go. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it too, it's really not that expensive. No, like no. If, like if you compare it to a standard video game release, you're spending sixty dollars for one game, not not counting any sort of um, extended DLC that, content that's like thirty bucks for like right. a, what's funny is bucks. That, I, w- I bought War- uh, Warcraft Reforged, right? And, you know, this is the game. It's the same game. It's just reskinned. It's right. a, it's a, it's a $60 game. Is it really? It, it's $60 if you buy the, um, you know, the collector's oh, okay, edition yeah, where you, yeah. yeah, where you get the five different skins and all that right. stuff. But, but, you know, I threw my money at that, you know, and I mean, I already own the game, but now <laughs> I'm a launcher. So, yeah. But you don't own but, that version of the game. Yeah, I mean that. This is the this is experimental too, and I didn't, I didn't see one kind of Warcraft Reforge costing so much, you know, because you know when they did the Reforge of Starcraft, the original, it was only ten bucks or fifteen bucks, you know. Yeah. They add on Hero for Diablo three. The um, uh, was it the Zul character? You know. Yeah. Necromancer, that was fifteen bucks. You know, I so I mean, Zul yeah. character. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, but you get the point. No, yeah, no, those no. things, this, they're, they're definitely tripling their money there, you know, and they're only giving like four little options. So, I, you know, if you really want to complain, it's like, um, but anyway, so yeah, so that's, that's the stuff that we're seeing, and that's the stuff they've announced um, so far, and we'll get into the next thing real quick, but boosts are going to be active next week. So if you already have a stim pack, it's going to turn into a boost, and you'll be giving people XP. And if you don't, you'll get a summary. You might, well, it's, I think Blizzard's sticking with their guns on this one. You will see us like the, I called it performance-based boost matchmaking or <laughs> because, because you're getting like, you know, what would your, what would your score be if you didn't, if you had the boost enabled, right? Yeah. So it's kind of, <laughs> you know, it's just that preview. But anyway, That's interesting. Uh, that'll be, that'll be available next week. So, um, and then they kind of rounded out the, uh, uh, presentation with the rank play changes so every at the end of every seat or at the each blizzcon they usually announce that they're going to make some changes to how um tears of storm plays and then what they kind of give you a roadmap of where they're trying to take things um uh feature wise so the first thing they talked about is um t uh the team league versus uh hero league and they said they got, you know, basically the feedback they were getting was Team League was taking queues or taking too long, that we should add duo queue back. And then there's also the group of people say, don't add duo queue back, it creates an imbalance. <laughs> um, I love this part of their little speech. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah. uh, so basically they said, well, they, they, when they made the changes to the Team League and they took off the restrictions, they basically saw a massive spike in, in the upswing of Team League. And, and everyone noticed this because obviously queue times were much less. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it, the problem with that mode, that is, is it's taking people from other game modes, including Hero League and Unranked Drought. Right. So, um, you know, basically what they're looking to do is find a way to combine Hero League and Team League queues um, in a way that allows people to, if they want, they can check a box to be solo queue only. Um, but the idea is that everyone's in the same queue and this should help with matchmaking, both in hero league and team league. Um, uh, so basically if you, you know, the idea is that there's gonna, I guess there's just going to be one, uh, set of, uh, rule sets. And I guess tomorrow they're going to talk about how they're going to enforce, uh, uh, rainbow type of events, right? Where, you know, oh, are really? they going to allow for the platinum to carry the bronze? Or are they going to allow the grandmaster? In to solo, carry you mean, or in? Well, in this this new team league, here league combined queue. Oh yeah, okay. Really, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they haven't really given an outline of how they're going to implement this yet. Um, but yeah. obviously, <laughs> you know, uh, the season ends. Um, what's it? Sorry. Oh, good. Uh, looking at the well, season ends the second week in December. So that's um, oh, wow. December 11th. So, so December 11th. Three weeks away, four weeks away. Four weeks away. Yeah. Well, no, one, two, three, four, five weeks away. So they got five weeks um, to get this kind of figured out. Um, they already have a plan. And, guaranteed. Yeah, they have a plan. <laughs> But the bottom line is, is it's going to be one queue and you can check a box and say, I want just so if I want a solo queue. Yeah, know. I think that's fair, too, for those people who want that. But we don't know the details of how they're going to keep MMR ranges for the heroes. Like, is it going to be more stricter MMR or they're going to make it? You know, they haven't really discussed that 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 aspect of it yet. And hopefully we'll get the details tomorrow. 
The next thing you're implementing is something called loss forgiveness. And this is for when someone disconnects and is replaced with an AI. I think that they noticed that a lot of their reports and, and a lot of the frustration in the game comes when someone's constantly disconnecting. So what they're doing is they're basically making sure that those types of matches don't affect your matchmaking rating per se mm -hmm. or your rank. Um, I'm not sure how they're going to do that, obviously, because, you know, people could just gain the system. Like, hey, we're losing. I don't want to lose them. You know, yeah. wins. Disconnect oh, or your sense. network <laughs> Yeah. So, but it did say that people that do leave, you know, and they are going to get punished. So, um, you know, be I, I would be careful on that one, I guess. <laughs> it's like, this is a, you know. Yeah, don't just know. leave I'm your sure games or throw your games for. Yeah. So I'm sure someone's going to figure out a way to kind of game the system, but hopefully it, it works as intended. In addition, they're going to um, have less placement matches. They're going to go from 10 to around three. And this is just to kind of figure out where you're at that season. In addition, they're going to actually implement what we've discussed, seasonal rank quests, where, you know, basically instead of play 10 matches, get ranked, and then you get a, you get a pony, right? <laughs> Here, they're going to actually make it that you have to achieve certain... Um, certain conditions in order to unlock certain things like the portrait, the moat, the ponies and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think they need so to do that because it's really easy to get something with Team League. Yeah. So and I I mean, something similar to what they do in Starcraft is fine, where the more wins you get, the different type of portraits you get and stuff. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, I think yeah. that would be better because it would incentivize people to like not just pick things. Right. And, you know, like they talked about, you know, I've, someone did that preview that got was it Belial, not Belial or whatever? Yeah, yeah. He did this thing where he showed like a, an achievement screen. It might be something similar to that where you play so many supports, you know, or, you know, that kind of stuff in a season. That'd be kind of neat. And, you know, they haven't really been giving a lot of different portraits. Remember like when the brawls first came out? They, yeah, there was a portrait every that. week. Yeah, for the brawl itself. It yeah. completed the brawl. Um, they haven't really done anything like that in a while. So this might be a good opportunity. And generally that's what you're going to see is portraits... Maybe portraits of like little animations on them and possibly a, a mount or something like that. Maybe they'll give you a boost. Yeah. Who knows? That'd be cool. Um, they're also going to re eventually remove promotion and demotion games, um, which because they feel like that those things sometimes create too much anxiety. Yes. Um, <laughs> in addition to that, that we've, we talked about this earlier, but the performance-based matchmaking, they're going to find a way to make that a, a way to educate players on how to improve not just to penalize them or make it that's the way they're going to do matchmaking. Um, and then in, in replacing performance-based matchmaking, they're actually going to have a visible MMR, you know, so no more kind of obscure silver, bronze, gold, five. You're going to actually know what your MMR is, and you're going to see your points go up, and you're going to see um, your points go down, per se, per match. Um, they're also going to get rid of rank points. Um, that's because that was kind of that, you know, we've, when you're playing against a bronze and you're, you know, not a bronze. So maybe that's how they're going to... Ah, um, uh, that makes more sense now. Because it's MMR-based so, instead of rank-based. Right. So like, even though, you know, they may be bronze, right? The average mm -hmm. MMR for the team it should be even, technically speaking. Yeah. Right. So... Yeah, so your MMR, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, um, it's going to really reflect where you're at in your rank. So, mm -hmm. and that's probably not a bad thing. Um, you know, 
so that's what we know. Now, when do all these things go into um, effect? Great question. That, yeah. <laughs> that is to be determined. I think if you're soon trying TM. to read... Yeah, Blizzard soon, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think if you're putting together your tea leaves and you're trying to predict when things are going to land, obviously I think the new team league changes are going to... and the new um, call to the Nexus are going to hit on the, uh, December 11th and the new season. I can see those things going there. Mm -hmm. Maybe later on in the season, they might implement the um, the loss forgiveness. Um, they could implement that right away, for all I know. Um, you know, maybe these features are all kind of. Uh, I don't expect to see MMR or performance-based matchmaking um, stuff at the end of a at the end of a game until maybe the following season. That stuff, I think, will be available. Probably in season two. That maybe probably as makes, far that as probably makes takes longer software implementation wise to make work. That plus, I think they want to make sure because we haven't really talked even about the gameplay change. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I think that you know these these rank changes for the most part uh, are pretty straightforward, but the actual like the performance based MMR and um, I, you know so what I would say is by the by the the eleventh. You're gonna see the 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 combined leagues. You're gonna see you're probably gonna see lost forgiveness because I don't think that's really difficult to implement. Um, uh, you're gonna probably see the matches get, uh, the the placement matches get from ten to three. Um, you might not see the seasonal rank quest until season two or three. Um, you probably see the demotion and, and promotion games be removed because that's you know just turning that feature off. Um, but anything with MMR. Or performance that will not be until later in the season, um, in 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's where we're at right now, but we'll find out more. Maybe they'll, they'll uh, yeah, I think before um, we go any further, I want to say I think Blizzard really learned from last year because yeah. they they promised big, right? Yes, and and they tried to implement everything in one huge sweep at the beginning of uh, 2018. And needless to say, it was more or less a failure, right? And I think um, this time around, I think they were very reserved in what they promised. And they tried not to spell out things in, in the sand as much. They just laid it out like, here are our goals, and we'll implement them as they come, right? And they're going to do each one probably within a vacuum of its each other so that they know it's not going to break everything because they don't want to repeat last year. <laughs> you know, they don't want these issues with the performance-based matchmaker that causes rank resets multiple times to make it work and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think the two things that were... You know, so the major announcements last year was the gameplay changes to how towers and the minion and, and the tower ammo. That was a yeah. major major change. They also changed the... Uh, the the visibility of the screen so you can see you zoomed out a little bit more mm -hmm. um but the, like you said you know they they really thought that the matchmaking issues were related around performance you know and trying to find a way to kind of predict someone's performance and, and everyone's into that you know machine learning thing that was the buzzwords right yeah i mean that was so, totally i mean it still is a big thing right i mean they're right. working with google DeepMind for starcraft <laughs> right so this this machine learning approach to trying to predict people's performance and where they're at, um, I think they were kind of overhyped on it. And I think a lot of people 
were really critical of that approach. I think the challenge was they, they initially did try to come out with the gameplay changes at first. But the thing about those gameplay changes is was their entire machine learning model was based on the data of the old way of playing the game. So when the changes to towers and, you know, ammo and things like that, all of a sudden certain heroes like Sylvanas lost value because of the way they play mm -hmm. or gain value. So um, the match, you know, so the performance based match ranking wasn't really capable of really understanding how something was supposed to play. Now, in their defense, and this is what they kind of stated about it, it takes about a month of a hero's release for them to kind of really kind of recalibrate the system or the, the metrics. And it really was designed to say, like, take all the people who are playing like Sylvanas and figure out where they fall on the curve, right? Huh. And then the idea was that, you know, like, let's say someone comes up with a really innovative approach, right? And they start maximizing performance on mm -hmm. Sylvanas. Well, their matchmaking rating is going to go higher. But eventually, yeah. but when everyone starts to homogenize and starts playing that way, then it moves to the middle because that's the standard now, right? Ooh, that's an interesting concept. Right. So that's the standard now. So you're not going to get as much, you know, uh, bonus, you know, matchmaking uh, change because you're playing like every, all, the other, all the other Sylvanas, yeah. right? It's only when you don't play like them and you, you don't do as well that you will fall, you'll get, you know, less points. But if you found another way to play Sylvanas that was more effective, uh, you might, you know, game the system more into your favor, right? So it's kind of that like the, <laughs> right? if you play a hero a specific way that nobody else does and you mm -hmm. win all the time, you technically yes. be ahead, ahead of the curve because you're playing, quote unquote, off, <coughs> off meta slash off average. Right. So it'd be really interesting. So you get one of getting people who like totally don't fit into buckets because they only they play so uniquely, I guess. Well, think about it. Maybe you play a tank and you play a very aggressive tank. Yeah. That goes for kills as opposed to positioning and, and zoning and stuff. Well, you're really supposed to be zoning and positioning and creating opportunities for your other team, but you're off like trying to get solo kills, which, you know, you could be gaming the system. But here's the thing. On average, that type of play will not lead to wins. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> so you're actually going to probably put yourself. That's the idea is that you're really not. You know, you might get a few wins out of that. It incentivizes incorrect play then. But what's going to happen is you're eventually going to start losing a lot more because you're you're not playing. It's like the house, right? You know, yeah. the house always wins because the house plays a very conservative <laughs> five percent. I mean, what they way the way they win is they they win five percent or six percent of all matches, you know, uh, Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> so they get a positive expectation higher than everyone else. So that's how they stay ahead of everyone. But it's not like by a large margin, but it's enough to make it sustainable. Well, and they make sure that when they do win, it's, yeah. you know, tip 5x or whatever. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So, I mean, the bottom line is the performance of Smash ranking was interesting, but then at the end of the day, maybe it was just too much, you know, with regards to maybe too much too soon. Right. But more importantly, the matchmaker was broken, you know, without the performance based MMR. So mm -hmm. they spent the entire year trying to address that problem. And it took them an entire year until they finally kind of tweaked it to the point where it's, it seems to be working. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so where they're taking it to the next level is well, we're going to get rid of all the abstractions. And we're just going to tell you what the number is. We're not going to we're not going to play around with it. We're just going to let mm -hmm. you know exactly where you fall. And that seems you know, the thing about MMR, though, it was based on chess, right? It was based on a two-player game. 
So, oh, really? You know, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the original MMR. That's why a lot of people talk about Microsoft's true skill or, you know, approach, because it's a lot different. That's the new version, right, of calculating right. stuff? Right. I've and you just it, license it from really too much. Yeah. You license it from Microsoft and you can implement. So um, a lot of people feel that that's kind of a true skill. It is a little bit better. But once again, is it optimized for team play or not? You know, and that's the problem when you play a team-based game. MMR, sometimes you're affected by your co-work, you know, your, your teammates, you know, so, right. you know, it might, they might need some tweaking still, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But still, it's a matchmaking rating. Well, I mean, if you, you really might, think about it, like, yeah, if you take everything in a vacuum, right? I mean, I mm -hmm. think we've talked about this a lot, too. Yeah. And you got to metric people somehow, right, based on skill, whatever, because everything's a strata. But, like, sometimes people play things that they absolutely suck at, right? Yeah. You know? And, I don't know, I guess this kind of goes back, so League of Legends is actually implementing this. So, when you play a role now, what'll happen is then you get ranked, right? You get placed. You'll be ranked mm -hmm. for the role you played. Mm -hmm. So, so like, a, a gold level, you know, jungle player in League isn't going to be the same isn't isn't going to be across the board gold he's going to be gold you know jungle and maybe he'll be like silver support so you're going to get the stratum that appears basically for um a singular player right i mean it's just like anything else right some people are not athletic and there's a scale on like different types of athleticism or there's a scale yeah. on different like there's just scales on everything and i think yeah. that might be something for games going forward, right? Because there's different skill sets involved for these things. To say that someone who's who's a you know master level tank player is going to be a master level like support player or assassin player is really not possible. I mean, at a broad level, yes, but technically speaking, no. Yeah, and I can see by next year when the role system is implemented and it's mature, mm -hmm. um, that they they might that might be the feature they announced next year saying you know we 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 looked at the data and you know some people who are just you know gold or not gold it's like you said supports or assassins or range yeah. assassins so like we're gonna do this and we're gonna implement this kind of and <laughs> they did it in Starcraft right like did they really? know, the idea of Star well so in Starcraft you know you could be like a master Terran player but no yeah. I want to play Zerg or I want to play uh and those are completely different play styles right Protoss right right. Well, well, now I'm going to be matched with you know, I'm going to be I'm going to be matched with master level Terrans as I'm learning Zerg. Well, they bought like a couple of seasons ago. They said, well, no, you'll get ranked based on, you know, so if you want to if you've got you've you got master Terran and you want to try to work on master Zerg, um, you can do that. But you'll start off with like, you know, wherever huh. you're at. You know? That's kind of so interesting now because that kind of brings me yeah. to the next level. Right. So then you yeah. you break it from role. Right. And then you become mm -hmm. master level for specific heroes, right? Yeah, and I think that this, I mean, that's, I think the role is a good good starting point, but you're right. I mean, if you're a master level, you know, if you're level 100 Medivh, yeah. you're going to be better than the other, right. you know, random cl clowns. And so maybe you should be just, you know, queued up. Like, if you really are a master level thrall, why not play with master level players? You know, yeah, you're just going to be better. I mean, and that could be another iteration later on. You know, where absolutely. I mean, that'd be kind of cool feel. if you think about it. I mean, then yeah. they might that might incentivize some sort of one tricking, but I think mm -hmm. it might be helpful for those 
like right now the only way to really learn who what people play is by viewing their profile right Mm-hmm. But it only gives you their most played heroes, right? So it's kind of an assumption mm-hmm. made that because it's their most played heroes, that means it's their best heroes, which might right. not be true, right? So my my thing is then from there is instead of giving most played, it should give the most um, maybe most wins. I guess would probably be the metric there or whatever, and then that that could then spill out as a rank of some sort. Yeah, I think anything that would help, you know, to give more clarity, with it. right? And to try to, you know, the thing is, they want matchmaker. They want some flexibility, right? So, right, they don't want it to be so rigid that you can only get, you know, <laughs> you know, fit in this little spot. They want to make yeah, it so yeah. that I. And so I I'm think not trying to get to to analysis paralysis here. <laughs> but you said it right. You know, here's the other thing: when you kill for like um, the other challenge you might have, unless they have a role queue, right? When you queue up for team league or here league, you know, it's not selecting you based on your role that you're, you know, they select you based on your overall MMR. Yes. So um, what you're discussing is quite possibly if they had some kind of role queue. That I was, would love uh, that ranked. on so much levels, right. so many right. levels. But I think they got to get through this version first thing, this thing first, and maybe get some more players yeah. into the game. So, um, so moving on, you know, so they after they talked about the, um, the the rank play changes, then they went and talked about the fact that they are going to do two reworks by the end of the year. Um, one will be on Stitches, the other one will be on Sylvanas. Mm-hmm. And I think the kind of the gist of it was that Stitches really didn't need a lot of reworking, but they wanted to kind of, you know, hone his talent trees. You know, he's got a lot of talents. And so I think they wanted to kind of um, do the Diablo to him a bit, you know, mm-hmm. where they kind of accentuate things that he's really good at and, you know, like things like the hooks. They want to kind of feature the hooks and because that's his thing, you know, that's his unique uh, aspect to the game that he provides. Um, just that he's a big, dumb health pool with a good hook and, you know, he can yeah. board or he can, or he can put crap everywhere. So, and you can slow your team's down. Stitches so, is kind of that kind of hero who's very lackluster in some ways, where it's like, if he can land yeah. the hooks, he's a god. But if he can't land right. hooks, he's not that great. Right. And so I think they want to kind of address that. You know, they either, you know, more than just slam build, there's got to be something else people will do. So um, I'm looking forward to hearing what they do there. I, you know, mm-hmm. I like Stitches. He's one of my hot, he's one of my highest played uh, uh tank warriors um he's also i consider a bruiser i play him more as a bruiser sometimes um but i look forward to hearing that and then the next one is sylvanas and you know we've talked about sylvanas being kind of in this weird spot since the rework last year so i think they're looking to kind of rework her talents to keep what she's really good at doing such as shutting down buildings but they want to turn her into some type of epic ranged assassin um uh, she and might they be like wanna... one of the first hybrid, like poke, like spell damage, mm-hmm. auto attack assassins. Maybe they'll make it so that you can choose between the two. You can either go poke or you can go high spell damage. You yeah, know, player. Yeah, you know, and you can just build into what what you really want. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see that. You know, the yeah. one thing about Sylvanas for me is I just didn't get her when I was leveling her. You know, it was like one of those things I tried her. I would just go, you know run into the towers and, you know, basically try to disable them and do stuff. 
it just wasn't my style of a specialist. So I'm looking forward to this rework as well because maybe I'll learn something to play her differently. Yeah, to me, know. like, uh, the current state of Sylvanas is she feels mm-hmm. kind of like... She feels stale when fighting in team fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kinda, she doesn't really play like, much. Other yeah, than like the you silence. throw your W and it spreads around if they're clumped. And then you kind of press spam your Q and yeah. you do some damage. But outside of that, and then, you know, like you said, you're all you get CC. You get CC to me die. Yeah, <laughs> it really is like you waste your E in a bad place and then you get stunned before you can use it or whatever. But basically, she's the she's the one that starts to engage with her silence. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like, I guess that is. I mean, and even that kind of play style is kind of like not even all that of a thing anymore, because like I've heard yeah. using um my control yeah. is is one is the better way to go. Also, I think she's the only hero to actually have an R button that's been changed ever as a weird yeah. fun fact. So that's what's coming in December, most likely around the 11th. Is, um, I'm more excited to see how yeah. it just changes. Yeah, it's same here. You know, I think it's going to be kind of fun. And, you know, but you know, like I said, sometimes these these reworks are an opportunity for us to Revisit it here. I think every rework they did last year was amazing. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think it took some people to you know, get over the Diablo rework. Oh, yeah. I, think they were saying, yeah. I mean, I think we talked about that where I said yeah. I had a huge learning curve with Diablo. Yeah. Some people didn't like the Rainer rework. They felt that Rainer, uh, this is a common thread today on Reddit, was some, pe- some people that were vocal said that he was more tankier, um, had a lot of basically he was a ranged assassin with a lot of sustain that he could just like you know he could sit there and take up front like frontliners and you know um, but now he's a lot more weaker because he doesn't have that uh, self as as good as self sustain. I don't know. I, think I agree. It's a I agree to some degree, but I don't think it's necessarily bad because I don't because yeah. I think he can be in at least in the games we've been playing. He's quite oppressive when played properly. Right, right. You know, well, like I mean, I think I think because of his bonus range, and then on top of that, having like automatic splashing via his rework trait, Mm -hmm. just gives him so much utility as an auto attacker, right? Right. Like if you think about all the other auto attackers, what is their one issue? They lack AOE, right? Right. And so it's like, well, we need an auto attacker, but we also need some ranged like AOE damage to clear lanes. What do you pick, Raider or Phoenix? Like, it's just kind of a no-brainer to have, like, that little bit of a splash. And it's, like, it's yeah. not even, like, all of the time, but it's up consistently enough that it makes it easy. Yeah, and he has sustain, you know? He's yeah. got that sustain, you know? So, I mean, yeah. I, it's just not as, what like, it was before. Right? So, yeah. Then he does But people are apparently against change. True. In general. So, yeah. So, I think, like, if they keep taking that same philosophy going into 2019... I think you're going to see a lot of heroes that were released uh, maybe the second year of Heroes of the Storm, you know, get an opportunity to get mm-hmm. some reworks. Obviously, everyone's looking at Chen. Everyone's looking at Tassadar. Everyone's looking at Rexar. I want <laughs> Rexar to be at the Lost, the Lost Vikings. Um, they're all looking at those. You know, I think the, two, the thing about Rexar is you can cho- you should be able to choose between Misha or not Misha, you know. Kind Ooh, of like, make it a talent. Yeah, you can, like you're you're a hunter. You can be like you know beastmaster spec. You know. Yeah, I guess now yeah. they could do that where they could make it however they wanted to with it. Yeah. Or like I mean, at, or at level ten, you had more than you had like four ultimates to choose from that were different pets that gave you a different ability. 
Bam. Yeah, Final I mean, fantasy. like if you look at the, well, the Rex, the Rex are today, and here's this in uh, World of Warcraft. He had different. He didn't have Misha. He had another. Yeah, he has pet, like four so. different pets. Like one's a uh, raptor, I think. One's a yeah. Misha. One's a hawk. That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, and you know, that would be an interesting Bruiser Warrior combo. Yeah. You know? And th- that would be the thing. Like you know, you'd, it's like it would be like a multi-class hero, like variant, right? Yeah, it, that's what I'm thinking. Is it'd be something similar to multi-class, but not quite multi-class, because mm-hmm. it's still in the same role. It just each R button does a little bit of a different thing. Yeah. So 2019, more reworks to come. The, the benchmark is 11. Um, it could be as high as 12 or 13 or 14. You know, depending yeah. on how they do. And some of you know they did just because they reworked heroes. They also changed the balance on a lot of heroes too. The change to Rexar's um, level four talents to make the shield uh, give back mana that revitalized uh, Rexar. You know, and so I mean, Wait, which one? I'm sorry, Rhaegar. Rhaegar. Oh, sorry, Rhaegar. Rhaegar. Okay. Yeah, Ra- Rhaegar. Order. Yeah, but they, they also made a small change in Rexar and his win rate went up a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, some of these little tweaks they're doing, like Lucio. Lucio's tweak to his. Uh, I haven't played Lucio, but I've been wanting to. Right, but the the small change is now he's um he's a little bit more viable now. Yeah, you know, so the, as long as they continue those little tweaks as well, you know, some of those heroes that are out of the meta are you know also get back in the meta just from a small little change. You know, so I like I like that. So I hope that they continue. I mean, and we know that. too that like just a rework can change heroes, right? I mean, how many of the heroes yeah. that were literally in the dumpster are now completely one hundred percent viable? The, just this year alone, like Rainer's yeah. viable, uh, Taronda's now viable and number one support. Like, yeah. there's a lot of heroes that just got reworks and a little bit of love, yeah. and you know. Well, there's like a case. There's a tweak. There's a you know the one here that, Kermy. Kermy got right. a rework. You know, but she didn't get a full talent rework. Like you know, talent, but her talents were changed, right? Um, so that they they operated a bit differently. Yeah, they she changed her philosophy her, a bit. Right, they didn't rework her. They just rebalanced her talents per yeah. se. And then they did it too too much, and then they had to go back and tweak it back to like a steady state. And I think they finally got her back to a somewhat stable state. You yeah, know, it's, it's different. I mean, it's yeah. a little bit unwieldy to some degree and i think she needs to have a little bit of identity swap because i right now i believe they they don't i don't think they know whether to what the what to do with her like do they want her to be an artillery blow-up mage or do they want her to just be a a long-range poke mage right and i think right now she kind of hovers between those and maybe it's just talent adjustments at this point then you know changing certain talents to make things you know where she could go into the poke style comp for like say uh towers of doom and then maybe she does one or even uh volskaya right or Mm -hmm. she can become that blow up mage where you know someone stuns a target and immediate blow up or a variant combo where you blow up someone that way so i don't know yeah yeah and i guess the way you're gonna look at it uh everything's on a six week cycle right so you have the uh hero reveal the new hero reveal ptr Heroes revealed. Uh, a week or two later, there's the uh, balance patch to mm-hmm. fix any glaring hero problems, and then they announce the rework of a hero or two. Um, and then a week or two later, then they have a balance patch to fix those corrections and make any course corrections uh, on the main hero. 
like <laughs> that they release uh, within 30 days. And then the next hero is released. The next new hero is released. So you're looking at a six-week cycle versus before it was a three-week cycle, a three to four-week cycle. And now that the reworks of heroes are kind of like on a, on a, on in part of that uh, cadence, uh, you can kind of kind of predict, you know, when mm -hmm. you should expect some stuff. So we're gonna get Stitches and Sylvanas um, mid uh, December. So the new hero, the next new hero we're gonna see is probably the first week in January, and that's not unprecedented. You know, they've had they had Blaze come out the first week in January. So um, yeah, maybe by the maybe the week of um, uh, Christmas, New Year's, that'll be the PTR for the next new hero, yeah. or or it could just be that the PTR lands for the new hero the first week in December. So and then you know rinse repeat, and they're they're and they're on this kind of like predictable um, uh, release schedule. Yep. The other thing I'll say about last year, and we'll probably talk about this multiple times, is I feel that every hero they released, even though some of them were really overtuned, were just great hero releases. You know, even like Blaze, you know, you're like, what the hell's Blaze? You know, he was a he's a great tank. You know, I mean, I he's love just, Blaze. You know, I think I talk yeah. about him too much, so I won't get into it. But you get my point. It's, like, <laughs> it's just every hero that they released this season has been this year has been really cool. You know, I would say the year before, you know, when they like uh, Zuljin, not so not so good. You know, that was like the first. I think hero. Zuljin could use some love. Yeah, but you know, he's like he's okay. Or, yeah, but, yeah, he's kind of. I guess they, they had Lucio. I guess they did rework him a little bit already, but like still. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like he was just kind of like, meh. You know, it's not like, you know, didn't change the meta too much. Or no. No. So you get my point. The previous year they had some they had a lot more misses than they had hits, I think. Mm -hmm. Like when Anna was released, it was a miss. When Junkart was released, he was kind of a hit. <laughs> it's like, you know, Alex Traza, she was a hit. You know, Hanzo, not so much. <laughs> so, you know, so I think they learned their lessons from Hanzo 2017. Does. Well, I mean, I think they learned the lessons in 2017. And then yeah. in 2018, they made the adjustments, made some things a little bit too powerful, like Maev and Phoenix. And that was the beginning of the year. But then everything else has been kind of like a little bit OP, but survivable if you ban. And now that you have a third ban, you can, you know, kind of avoid these types of errors. Yeah. So transitioning from the the rework philosophy, we're getting into the gameplay updates. And this is another feature of BlizzCon that they will announce gameplay changes. So they talked about the year before that they had they announced the, the camera update, the stealth revamp, the, the changes to regen globes to become so you can contest, contest the neutral ones um, after a period. A, a globe comes neutral after a period of time and the tower armor being removed. That was the major one. Um, and basically, uh, you know, th these all these changes are still in effect. You know, mm -hmm. they just had to tweak the tower ammo. They had to they had to tweak the XP on the forts and uh, keeps and the towers. Yes. And that they they started in December, and I think by the end of January, Fe early February, they finally got it to the where the XP made sense. Um, and they also felt that the games feel better when the teams are more evenly mapped. You know, when, you know, we've, we've talked about it. Sometimes we just, the game snowballs and we feel like we just got, you know, we lost in the draft, right? Yeah. So what they wanted to do in this, this um, go around this year was tweak the XP that is given for certain events. Number one, they still think that the game snowballed, right? So no matter what they've changed, 
they're still seeing the snowballing effect where the, some teams get three level leads and other teams don't. Yep. So what they felt was causing that was because you got a lot of value for taking down forts and keeps in the game. And so what they wanted to do is take away some of the XP. They took away the XP for forts and keeps. They lowered the XP for towers. They still want you to take down towers. They've increased the XP for mercenaries, both for getting mercenaries, but also defending against mercenaries. And then they also increased what's called the passive trickle of XP by 15%. So basically, each for, for the longer you play, the more XP you get as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, basically, their internal testing has shown that um, the other thing that they did was, as part of this, is when you do take down a fort, you will now get a catapult every three waves. Um, Which is super interesting. Right. And then you, when you take down a keep, you'll get three catapults per wave. You know, just like it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, the, the idea here is that all these changes are, number one, designed to you know not have matches snowball. Um, but also to make it so that, you know, that you're in it to win it. You know, at any time... You know, you don't you a good team fight at the end of the mat game is going to win you the match. Yeah. So well they like the idea is that the the one thing the one thing they cited was the that like picture in the in the uh panel was that eighteen to fifteen like level deficit. And it's like the enemy the the red the red side had not even taken a fort on the enemy team and they you know they already got a punisher pushing down mid lane, whatever. And so a lot of what this is supposed to do is basically take that, you know, 15, 18 level deficit and turn it into more like 16, 17 or something. Right. You know, and I think we even like talked about this in the last show where we were trying to think of ways that incentivize the macro play, like how to get more like getting camps more effectively, you know, I guess kind of having micro objectives. Right. Right. And we talked about this after it was announced, basically by incentivizing the experience gain from a camp, both capturing and defending is going to make more contention points, right? Because if you can sniff out when someone's doing a camp on either team and say they're not ready for it, you can steal it, right? And that gets you a lot more experience. Yeah, and more importantly, what you want to do is take a camp when the opponent team's not going to defend it, yes. right? So because if you take it when they defend it, you're just, you're just giving them the XP back. Yeah. So you know the guys are just jungle all the time and get three camps and you know and constantly are you know macro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well that's okay, but you're you got to be careful giving the, the opponent XP. So it's going to be more strategic, and hopefully people don't will show up to objectives. One of the things that people are concerned with is that maybe objectives, the first objectives on maps are not going to be as important um, as important and not contended as much um, in favor possible. of soaking in favor of just soaking and defending. Right. Because or you can stalling. Defend. <laughs> yeah. So there's that concept there. You know, so that meta change is quite possible. Mm-hmm. And you remember, this is the beginning. This is where they're going to start probably in December. Um, uh, probably in the um, uh, my assumption is it's probably going to come out December 11th but it could come out a little bit later um, they mm-hmm. might allow maybe we wait till January but I think they want as much data as possible on this so you know uh, you know I think they're willing to sacrifice the first season to make it somewhat you know chaotic in order to you know get some 
you know real world data on this these changes mm-hmm. um like you said you know the strats will change and most likely i see them tweaking things like making the objectives more just like they did with volskaya right where the the first objective was terrible you know it was like not, not even <laughs> worth it right? not even a thing and it, and then they said, well, how about we just turn the dial up on the uh, <laughs> the objective and make it so that if you, you know, that first objective, you can go through a fort and a keep if it wants to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like if you, you know, leave so it to its sudden, own devices, you lose the game. <laughs> yeah, it just goes, it'll just run it down the middle. You know, same with um, Ultrack Valley, right? You yes. Know, oh, my God. Yeah, I still think even to this day, Ultrack might be a little overtuned still with yeah, certain yeah, but, aspects. But that one camp plus the first, uh, you know, the first set of uh, objectives is, you know, could be in the game. Uh, they did tweak it some, so it's not as powerful as it was. They don't give as much shielding and stuff. Yeah. But still, like, you know, the first time they put this stuff out, basically you win the objective, you win the game, because you've got three, get three uh, forts down and you're, you're pressuring keeps <laughs> right. by the 10 minute mark. So, so I can see them making some adjustments here just on objectives, just to make them still, you want to contend, you know, contend them. Um, and then the other thing they they uh, uh, kind of outline is they're gonna kind of they're gonna optimize the armor armor so that you basically your whatever the highest bonus armor you're getting that's what you're gonna get. They're not gonna combine armors or things like that. So whatever your highest armor is, um, that's what's gonna be reflected on your character. That's quite interesting. Um, and then they're gonna change the UI so it's very easy for you to re- read the um, the armor. Yeah. Um, then there was a couple of Q and A's. Um, uh, uh, basically, the the post game stat tracking is something they want to look at in twenty nineteen, um, and then that's where they want to put the performance based matchmaking in. Um, they they said things like Toronto spell armor talent will still stack. Um, Towers of Doom was also one of the the maps they said. Well, you're changing the uh, the value of XP. What about Towers of Doom? Towers of Doom is going to kind of remain intact. It's going to be one of the, one of the few that remain intact. Um, uh, Hero Select is also going to get changed a little bit to um, accommodate some of the changes uh, that we've discussed with regards to roles and things like that. Um, and then they said the they basically said that the changes that they're talking about for rank will be released in a few will be released over time. Mm-hmm. And then someone. Uh, you know, they said that Towers of Doom and Ultra Pass don't have catapults. So, like I said, those are the ones that they're they're gonna they're gonna tweak a little bit as part of this whole XP change. Yeah. And then someone yeah. really wanted a Dark Nexus to Haka, and they said we know that. So he is. But if they do another Dark Nexus event, you know, maybe there'll be a Dahaka set of skin. I hope so. I like Dahaka. So <laughs> overall, I think it was a you know it was a pretty well presented um uh, overview and it you know basically touched all the bases i think that everyone was i think people were looking to get some assurances on the performance-based matchmaking um i think they, they answered the best they could um but i think they addressed the high point across the mm-hmm. world so overall i'm i'm definitely still engaged you know i'm not like i'm not gonna quit the game or anything like not that upset in any way yeah so, uh, but it's interesting to see people's opinion on Reddit, you know, where they, 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 the ones that are constructive, 
um, definitely provide, you know, some, they, they legitimize their concerns and that I think that the, the um, they'll be addressed. You know, I think that. Yeah. Um, I mean, these things take time, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's software development at the end of the day. And software is one of the, probably the hardest and probably thankless jobs in the world. Yeah. Because not many people know what goes into doing, making it real. And just how many moving parts that this thing has, and they're always adding more moving parts to it. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the end of the day, the fact that it all works in some fashion and people can play it every day and it's basically free for everybody is uh, kind of insane. Yeah, and you have looked, I mean, they showed a picture of the development team you know, and how big it was. There's always that meme, it's a small development team, but it's really pretty large you know they just have some key individuals and i think that they outsource some of this stuff too to overseas so like they might have a lead animator and they pull mm -hmm. other animators but they also probably outsource some of the the work too um right. you know where the the animators are more directing and you know that kind of stuff the one thing i'll say is okay so we have, we have like six of these major events you know there's like you know those skin events you know we had 10 hero releases you know, and we had 11 major to heroes. Um, that's a lot of content, plus the maps. Yeah, the I map know. Um, it's kind of insane for free, to think about it. For a free-to-play free video game. Yeah. You know, and I think this year, because they scaled back some stuff, their release schedules, the quality of the, of the content went up. You know, I mean, like... the. The only thing I'll say is, like, I wasn't really Im impressed with the original uh, Maev skin releases. There's mm -hmm. there's um, gem skins uh, weren't that that detailed, in my opinion, versus the other stuff like the Alexstrasza skins and the Blaze skins and such. Yeah, I mean, but I then, think the overall skin pack this stuff, like, because it's yeah. more homogenized, like, with releasing yeah. for re like with a with a fantasy in mind, right? I think it really increased the clarity and in how much they are able to push the envelope in the art department, right? Right. But towards the end of the year, the skins got even... I mean, like, I think it was a, the Nexomania event. I love that one. Still just, my favorite. Yeah. Where it just went crazy. The Storm event was cool, too. I liked, some, I liked the, 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 the um, Greymane skin and the Johanna skin. Those I, were I keep forgetting cool. about that one, to be honest. Yeah. Those were pretty cool. But then, you know, the Kings, the High Kings uh, event, that's where they, they, the, the Maya uh, skins were amazing. All the skins in that were amazing. You know, mm -hmm. the Alvastraza skins, the, the Zarya skins. I mean, you know, they were just really good. So, like I said, you know, I think that they got even better towards the end. And Ophelia is one of those examples. Yeah, they really are pushing the envelope of the animations and, you know, oh whether God, you like the... The, the, imagine, the, the the animation and sound design for Orphea is just out of this world, especially the yeah. Crushing Jaws Ultimate. Just, I love the way that they've just imagined the hero. It just sounds, right. it's just so different and the, the polish to the character. Yeah, so the first, I don't know, 65 heroes were rushed, right? Because they were trying to get a big hero so that yeah. they can, you know, compete with all the other MOBAs out there. Now, just to have a big they, enough character base, right? <laughs> now, now what they're doing is they're, you know, they got a really good design process for getting the new heroes out. They're reworking the previous ones. They might even change the models in some of these other ones. Like Arthas Priest. 
Arthur's Bright Wing, you know, these are the ones that people want to see. And, you know, and then the skins themselves are an opportunity to change the look and feel. So, yeah. You know, I think that, you know, they're in a good place there. Um, battleground wise, I think that they're addressing the concerns in some of the, um, some of the major battlegrounds that needed a rework. And I can see these battlegrounds, Hanamura Temple, the new gardens, the gardens, and Ultrac Pass becoming HTC maps next year and replacing like things like uh, Braxis Holdout, Tomb of the Spider, you know, uh, those, those are the types of maps because they're kind of like that similar game stuff. You know, um, I definitely think that in HTC 2019, Braxis Holdout's going to be gone in favor of like Hanamura Temple. Track. I'll track value. Uh, value will probably replace uh, Tomb of the Spider Queen. Do you think so? I like Tomb of the Spider Queen way more. I don't know. I mean, it's a three lane. That's a sh- it's a three lane map that's squished, right? So mm-hmm. maybe I'll track value is a little bit too big. Um, I don't know. Both Ultra Valley and Garden of Terror are kind of large. I guess. Maps, I guess so. maybe maybe Tomb of the Spider Queen is a little snowballing, possibly. But so is Ultra in some ways too. I don't know. I but guess it, we'll I see. Yeah, I can see these three maps possibly replacing maps in 2019's HTC mm-hmm. pool. I think we should yeah. stay away from anything esports related until next week, since we can talk about Roster Apocalypse then. Yeah, and that's uh, DB Smiley's got his Roster Apocalypse out there, which is good. Now, on the 13th is when the official uh, is the official time when teams can start dropping players. And Aha, people. okay, yeah, so that'll be perfect. It'll be a perfect time we, to talk about that then. We are getting some announcements, like uh, uh, pre-announcements of people quitting HTC. Yeah, and that, that are like, stuff. Um, mm. what do you call it? Retirement the or true, like that? Right. But the true roster apocalypse, the, two, the true event kicks off on the 13th, which is like next Tuesday. And it begin, you know, that's when teams can just get rid of players and people can pick up players. And that's the true part of the roster apocalypse. Then that goes for like 10 days or something. Wow. And it starts to normalize into where the teams start, fi- like the teams start finalizing some stuff. And then the last week is when they finalize their teams. Now, another thing that um, hasn't been announced yet is the Chinese gold, uh, gold club or uh, invitational tournament. I talked to um, Loran, Loran, Loran. Um, <laughs> You'll say the word eventually. Yeah, Lurhan. Because oh, there's Lurhan and Lorhan. Right? Oh, wow. So Lurhan, Jesus Christ. Lurhan's our, <laughs> our guy. Lorhan's the other guy. Um, he said that they didn't announce until after BlizzCon last year. So mm-hmm. I haven't heard the announcement yet, but most likely, you know, it did take place uh, in December last year. So this was the Chinese event that's kind of like an invitational um Usually, usually it's, it's only the number two team that goes from yeah. EU slash NA. Right. And it's kind of, it's an invitational and it's kind of like they, you know, it's a couple of weeks where they kind of, you know, they do the standard perch and then they have a winner's bracket and loser's bracket. So, um, but no word yet, but it's quite possible that it'll be, you know, announced soon. Mm-hmm. So do you want to talk about the, uh, the, the, the final? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do want to talk a little bit about the finals and stuff. Um, uh, I think the so, biggest point, point the, to me, the big one was Tempo Storm and their ridiculous draft. They're like a solo support, Abathur, Murky, Samuro, Falstead, Daretol or something like that. It was really weird. Right. I don't yeah. know what they were thinking that one, especially going yeah. into Dignitas. Yeah. 
I don't know. That was just I didn't. It just didn't seem like they really put them put themselves. They didn't really seem like whatever they thought. It just seemed like it was totally miscalculated in my opinion. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I get it that they're trying to pick something that was like crazy, you know, and maybe throw off Dig, but I don't think you can throw off Dig because they're just so good at their own meta that they're like, well, you try to do this, and we're just gonna just stick to our guns and beat you because this is because we're just you know a fine-tuned machine at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Heroes Hearth, though, on the other hand, I think they really impressed, and uh, I really enjoyed watching their games, and I hoped that they would do better, but uh, you know. But I told what I said, Team Liquid. They were the. Team I know, dude. Team. I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, I think Liquid, their performance, and Arcaner made big, big name for himself at the tournament. Yes. Uh, yes as a, as a standout player. And I mean, he's always been a standout player, right? Like, he's one of those guys yeah. from a minor region. Literally mm-hmm. uprooted himself from, I want to say Australia, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, moved to Europe to play with the best people in the world, or so he thought. And I mean, I think he's right to some degree. I'm Outside of going mm-hmm. to Korea. And got mm-hmm. on an HGC team within moving there. And, mm-hmm. you know, put in the work and he's on Team Liquid and they got to BlizzCon, you know, and it's the best performance they've had since they had their like un, un- no loss, like first half of the season. And mm-hmm. um, just seeing their performance and finally like kind of live up to the hype. I mean, realistically, they put up a bigger uh, struggle for uh, Denji <laughs> than freaking Dignitas did, right? And that's not even. Yeah. And I, I was, I'm just going to say that you know they were, they were ahead on Brax's holdout. They could, it could have been Team Liquid going to the finals. I know. It really should have been. It really should have been like the entire just, game. They had it dialed in, but it was one death on the tank that turned yeah. it. Right. That's when they took out Tyrael. That just you know kind of turned it for them. And they were winning that match. They were winning. 100. percent yeah, they had three tower. They had two forts and a, and a keep down. And Genji just—that's what they do—is they team play, pop, and they and they micro really well. I, I well, and and I think they it. kept their cool, right? Yeah, they kept. Yeah, but they were behind. But that's that's what what lost them. You, know, I think Team Liquid got the yips, and <laughs> you know, they were, and they were just here. They caught Tiro's position, and that's all it took. And that's what the game is. They, yeah. it's got a comeback mechanic, and. You know, that's why Genji was able to go into the finals and once again win the BlizzCon championship. Yeah. And Dignitas, you know, they always took a game from Genji at the end, the, the third game. Their stitches um, play. I thought they were going to win know, it too, man. They just didn't have enough room for the end. And, you know, Genji was able to kind of wipe them after they respawned. You, know, you, know you know what did it too, I think, for that one specifically? Yeah. yeah. The Tassadar pick saved their life at that core call. If yeah. they didn't have the Tassadar, it would have been a completely different game because the Tassadar was able to shield twice in the time right. that it took. And those two shields gave the core that much more health. I believe uh, KSOS had a thing uh, on his, you know, his typical blogs and stuff like that. And it was like 600 points, which is like an ability in an auto attack at level 22 or so, whatever it was. Like, it's insane. Like, it doesn't make any sense. So... Mm-hmm. Like, it was really close for that last match, but I don't know. At the end of the day, I think seeing seeing the way it was over in the finals was kind of lame. And um, I would have enjoyed to see it go to game five. 
I mean, yeah, I would I, have, mean, I, really... I would at the very least it would have enjoyed. I think BlizzCon in general needs to have a losers bracket. I just think yes, it's... that's exactly what you know. I mean, come on, the losers bracket's important. And I know. Not I... having a loser. I mean, Team Liquid getting bounced after that performance. Heroes Hearth, you know. Heroes Hearth too. I think to... Heroes Hearth could have easily been able to find a groove, right? And 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 not bow out like they did. Because right. if they would have found a groove, they could have. I think they could have taken. The the way that they would have to change that though is the teams would have to play earlier in the day. Yeah, like they'd have to start playing like at nine o'clock. You know, if they wanted yeah. to do that. And or you have two casting brackets, right? There's enough heroes right. casters. Right. Um, maybe you don't cast the losers bracket. You know, or you don't because it's yeah right. Or you have so people you who do it over online. I mean, there's that's what I mean. There's enough people. And they've had losers brackets last three two or three years right so i mean it's not like i mean they have loser brackets for mid-season brawls that are like i feel like this mid-season brawl and sometimes is more epic than blizzcon because it feels so much less rushed yeah i'm i'm you know i don't know i, I can't i don't know what their thinking was and why they thought yeah i know we can't we can't read their mind right <laughs> sadly but I, but I think that there's enough negative I think a lot of, I mean let's face it people just watch the matches but mm -hmm. the people that are kind of into it yeah, they want a loser's bracket. They want they want the matches to start earlier so they can get through all this. Now, I was okay with the way that they broke up the week, right? So the first weekend, they kind of had the no, animations like and best of twos. And that's kind of like they do now for mid-season brawls, right? Yeah. So I'm okay with that. No, I'm totally fine with um, that. I just think loser bracket needs yeah. to be a thing. Yeah, and then best of fives. Yeah, yes. best of fives and then best of seven. Yeah, because here... Yeah, I think know, the best of seven with one, one point going to the winning team or the yeah. highest seed team, I think that's fair. I mean, because this is your, these are your champion. Yeah. So. And it's for the biggest prize pool the entire year, but yet you're playing like the shortest opportunity. Right. Um, overall, though, from the gameplay side of things, I thought the meta was kind of stale. Hmm. In some ways. Like, I think certain players like, like um, Arcaner and stuff like that, you know, where they you put him under Tracer and stuff like that. He's going to carry the game for his team. Like, I think that stuff showed more than it has. Right. Like Rich, yeah. you know, you put Rich on his Alarak and that became a thing. Um, But I think the other part of I, it, though, is certain certain heroes started to underperform. Right. Like Diablo. Right. Which is interesting. Well, yeah. And, but then there was these weird combinations as well, like the Tyrael um, Urel combo. You know, right. So we're stacking armor. And so I was thinking about Tyrael, though, too, right? And I think it, it always happens at BlizzCon, where he gets mm -hmm. this insane priority at the highest level of play. And I was trying to think about why it is. And I think it's because all these teams are so freaking good at team fighting, right? Making that snap call to mm -hmm. kill some one target, right? Mm -hmm. And what's better than to shift momentum, than to pop a sanctification, make your entire mm -hmm. team invulnerable? It's an even better bunker, right? Yeah. <laughs> Realistically. Because you can engage. You can yeah. engage, right? And you know, you got shields, you can engage, you can create, you can zone people out, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and so you have Holy think, Arena yeah. at level 20 to get that damage yeah. steroid on top of it. Yeah. So that plus your L's, you know, your capabilities, mm -hmm. and I think, and the fact that they can give shields to everyone around them. And yeah. obviously this will change in the next balance change. So this uh, this approach is definitely going to be because you can only whatever gives the highest shields gets the shield. Right. So it'll only be thirty five armor. 
I guess ten. Yeah, years. I think I think it's max. That was the, the max is thirty or thirty-five. Yeah. And there's a differentiation between armor and, and spell armor, or physical and right. spell. There's two different icons for it now. Um, I'm trying to think of any other ones that stood out to me. Supports were really stagnant, I think, in general. It was like Deckard and Tyrande being the top two. Which yeah, I, and then uh, Malfurion. For, yeah. yeah. He was in the top three. Which Malfurion was interesting, because he, he has way less priority. I think he was like 20 less. I was looking at, there's an infographic that will link from Tempo Storm that they do for all these things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was 64% pick rate, or yeah. uh, popularity, 53 matches. Decker was 50 matches at a 44% popularity. And then Mop Hearing was at a 55% popularity. And then again, matches. the bands, the bands were pretty much kind of what you expect. You know, yep. Maiev, Genji, and then the other surprising one, there's Garage. Garage yeah, got banned was, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Quite Which, high. My banned a lot too, so I think that a lot of people were didn't want to. I think my gets banned a lot because of the way her, her because of the land environment. I think is what makes her the because mm -hmm. without latency, being able to like snap engage as my mm -hmm. is is huge. Yeah, and you did see some a lot of Alarak played by the more micro intensive players such yeah. as Rich. So I mean. You know, obviously, uh, the Koreans... And Sergeant Hammer. They liked Sergeant Hammer yeah. a lot from the Korean yeah, they love, side. They love the Hammer, yeah. She was the number one picks uh, specialist, followed by Abathur and Medivh. Mm-hmm. Um, most picked uh, assassin was Rainer. You know, Which is not... Like, I think we covered why that's a thing, too, earlier. And then the Hanzo play. And so... Oh, my God. Some teams... Their Hanzo players are gods, and some teams, their Hanzo's players who are play like normally like gods, cost their team the matches. You huh. know? Not landing some shots call or something out, like that. Yeah, don't want to uh, uh, call out the hero's hardest player, Crowen. But uh, yeah, I think <laughs> that's one of the you know, that, that they didn't make it to the next rounds. You know, he, he just didn't execute his you know his dragon stri dragon strikes and things. Yeah, like that. I think I saw that those games where he would just miss them by like a hair kind of thing. Yeah, I mean it's yips. You know, I mean you right. know, I, I don't think he it's nerves you know, and things think, like that. Being on well, stage. That plus the other team may know how to like step away. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's like, you know. Yeah, I mean to me the big thing too is like seeing some weird adaptations like the uh, mm -hmm. entomb to counter the bunker with the dragon strike the the actual hanzo alt against dignitas and tomb spider queen mm -hmm. that was insane because every time you saw the bunker go down dragon strike immediate follow-up and you're stuck in this bunker it kills the bunker like in seconds and then your entire team is standing now inside of <laughs> dragon strike and it's melting your entire team like I wouldn't like that. I didn't think of that, right? And I think most of the community thinks that ultimate is garbage, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, or at least it doesn't work as well, right? Because in theory, it's just oh well, you just throw it out there, and then all of a sudden, it is what it is, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you know, so the one of the other interesting graphics on the Tempo Storm was the best worst win rates. Yeah. Where mm -hmm. They showed that like Tyrael, who was picked a lot, he was probably picked about nineteen times out of about a uh 74 win rate johanna wasn't picked as much but also had a high 80 percent win rate i know that's insane um, she was like she was around 10 and then alarak was was picked around eight times had a 90 percent win rate so and zeratul had uh he was picked about 12 times 11 to 12 but he had a 70 percent win rate so that was you know kerosene was also another 
kind of like surprised. I think it was uh, like teams like uh, Gen- Genji picking. Uh, I think, Genji that's, a, picking I think that's a Korean thing. Yeah. But then, of course, and then all these were here, you know, Genji played. Uh, uh, played. But the one I think that was kind of, the two that were surprising, I guess, was the fact that like Meriden was picked 16 times, but had like a 20% win rate. Wow. Uh, Jugrat and, and Greymane, they were picked about 13 times, and they have a 30% win rate. White me, you know, who I think, you know, I think a lot of us were putting, I mean, maybe the nurse finally caught up to her, picked 11 times and has less than a 30% win rate. In, in Whoa. So, I mean, there, you know, there you go. I mean, it just tells the story that, you know, Tyrael has, you know, was picked quite a lot and was successful. Johanna picked a lot, successful. So, you know, I think that, you know, when it comes to rank, when it comes to professional play, these are the heroes that you don't see a lot in the hero league. Where you see like a Johanna, um, but you don't see a lot of Alarak in, in the hero league, you know, unless the guys are really good. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. Al- I think the Alarak pick really shows skill level. Right. You know, because like, because as soon as you pick it, right? Like, if you pick Alarak in your standard games, right? You're like, I don't know here, right? But when you have someone like Rich pick Alarak, it's like, uh oh, this is not good. Because it, it's like it's like oh, Rich feels like he can carry, <laughs> you know. Because like even even still, like you saw him playing Alarak, right? And even if like the first half of the game, he's playing, um, like solo in Alarak, right? Not even with his team. And then mm-hmm. like by the thirteen minute mark or so, he's able to start getting kills and getting his poke up and his, you know, because Alarak's trait where it stacks up his sadism to do more spell damage, he's not gonna die. And so by the late game, he's finally feeling like he can go in, make combos happen. All of a sudden, they're blowing up people like legitimately. It's crazy. But at the right. same, but at the same token, though, you put you put Rich on like a Malthiel, and teams can capitalize on that, which Team Liquid did many times, and they mm-hmm. blow him up. You know, and he he didn't go. Is it inevitable end the spell armor or the cleanse? I'm not sure. At level 13, I forget what it's what the actual effect of the talent, but one of those he didn't go the saving talent basically. Like, I think it's a cleanse, right. and you know, because he just believes his skill level is better than most players. And they were, he, they were already picking him off, you know, for that entire game. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, it kind of proves that, yeah, he's a good player, but at the same time, he has weaknesses. Yes, or he's just, you know, he's just kind of screwing around, or that too. I don't know about that though, mm-hmm. because. Mm-hmm. I think as a player, as good as he is and as good as people think he is, I don't think he's going to attempt to even take it easy. <laughs> yeah, his mouth play was not optimal. I think he was getting yeah. blown up a little oh bit more. God. It I was think crazy how blown up he was getting because I'm like, wow, he, this is not usual for him, right? Because he's usually right. really good at, at well, being able I mean, to... I'm sure that all the teams said he's picking this character. This is the character. This I, I is mean, the one thing. I, yeah, I feel yeah, like so. if there's any one player they're looking at most and seeing what what are his weaknesses, it's going to be him, right? <laughs> right, right. So that's what they targeted. Yeah, and, I get it. So um, when it comes to the maps, it was interesting too. Is that um, the map that was banned the most was Braxis Holdout. It was only played one time. It was banned. Team 13. Liquid. Right, and that was the well, team Well, because it's because I mean, I think they did a really good job showcasing this. That Korea hates that map, but there's an right. unspoken truce between all the teams, especially in Korea, that you don't pick Braxis, and so we're not going to waste a band on it. But we're also not going to like, you know, we're just going to take mm-hmm. it on Scout's honor that we won't p- pick it against each other. 
<laughs> and so when Team Liquid Goods goes to Game Five, they're like, "Well, no." Let's try it out. <laughs> and I mean, they had a plan, and they picked mm-hmm. a weird team into it too. They went triple tank to Haka, right? You know, and I think the way they played to Haka there could actually become a thing. You know, and because what they were doing is they were doing aggressive, floaty like jungle to Haka, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's kind of strange, right? Because you've never really seen that, like you know. They turned Braxis into a three-lane map, almost. <laughs> yeah, and the second map that a lot of people didn't want to play was Sky Temple. You know, it was pick, it was mm-hmm. pick three times, banned six times. So I think that know, map little... too is because of the boss pit there. Yeah, it's also a really large map too. Yeah, exactly. So basically, yeah. But then maps that the more popular one was Volkskaya Foundry. You know, fifteen times it was picked, six wow. times it was banned. Um, Towers of Doom and uh, Infernal Shrines were kind of tough uh, for a number of times it was played, um, and they were about close when they came to bans. Uh, next to Braxis Holdout being banned, Dragonshire was banned a lot, eight times versus the nine times it was played. So, Whoa. And more importantly, then the uh, the first win, like if you win the objective first, how often did you win the map? And all yeah. these maps. Pretty much we're in the 80 percentile. If you won the first objective, you won the won the game, except for obviously in front of Shrine. That was a, oh, really? a little bit below 80, you know, 76 percent. So overall, just you know, it was interesting. I think this is not my favorite finals. I'll be I'll be clear. Um, and that's no. because they didn't have a loser's bracket. It was a little lackluster. And then this is kind of a minor quibble, but you know, the whole Twitch cheer thing. I like it. I think it's great because the teams get, you know, revenue. Yeah. But the the rewards are so high that for the finals to get the um the mounts, they want seven thousand they want seven million five hundred uh cheer and ten million cheer. Wow. We barely cracked five million cheer to get just to get the spray and the banner. That's so insane. I think I think they need to change the the year before that they don't the um the mount because it mm-hmm. re, you know required 10 million and the problem is is because well the blizzard launcher well the blizzard um you know uh virtual ticket shows these matches and there's no cheering in there right so uh, oh in the blizzard divi- and on the actual blizzard uh east yeah. or blizzcon channel right right so you're kind there. of defining your crowd right there so you know people are looking at the numbers are saying you know, well, 30,000 people watching the match. Well, you don't mm-hmm. know how many people are watching it through the Blizzard launcher, you know, so. And, and I remember the BlizzCon app is, itself, because that, that didn't right. have any any link to the app. It was a completely separate stream. Right. And they have over six to eight million people watching BlizzCon with their virtual ticket. So they make wow. a ton of money off the virtual ticket. I don't know what the actual numbers are. We probably should look that up. But I knew that they get a fact you know, checkers internet. Like, Right. But they know that they have like 30 people, 30,000 people attending in person. It used to be 10, went up to 15, but now mm-hmm. that they've expanded it, they sell out every year. And so, and then the virtual ticket sells like, you know, a couple million, you know, uh, tickets as well. And this kind of leads into the prize pool discussion we were talking about, you know, where, you know, a lot of people feel, you know, they, they're critical of HTC saying it doesn't get enough support from, uh, Blizzard, mm-hmm. and there was a person on Reddit who made a post and says, "Well, when it comes to prize pools, at least at BlizzCon, Heroes of the Storm is like is a million dollar prize pool, and everything else is 
not. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like below 500,000, if not even below 250,000. I mean, and that got reactions from Chaos OS, you know, and the likes. Um, you were kind of interested in this. Did you, What did you want to share about it? Well, I just thought it was interesting, right? Like, it's kind of like that problem is like, can you throw more money at something and to make it more popular and stuff like that? Right. And I read the article that they had shared about just prize pool, right? It's like the high, fourth highest esport in all of gaming, you know? Right. You know, only topped really by a now Fortnite, I believe, and then League and Dota, which are the obviously top two competitors for the entire MOBA genre in general. I mean, or esports, period, really. Um, mm-hmm. So, to, I don't know. To me, it's just kind of, it's an interesting concept right it's like are they throwing more money in it like prize pool wise is that really going to matter and i don't think it i don't think it really does but i think it's important to kind of understand that there's still money in it and i don't think like if because i think there's a lot of negativity of like saying the devs don't care or whatever you want to describe it as and i don't think that's really being fair to to anybody involved with this stuff because there's so much I think there's just so much going into it and I don't know. Like it, it's just weird to see, like it just feels so negative for no reason. Well, I think what his premise was is that, okay, the prize pool versus the viewership, right? So like yeah. Hearthstone had a $400,000 prize pool for their matches with a peak viewership of 76 K. Yeah. Right. That's probably because most people are just playing Hearthstone. <laughs> yeah. Um, Starcraft uh, had a prize pool of $700,000. Remember that that was somewhat fueled or funded by the Battle the battle Pass, right? Because mm-hmm. they, they, they split 50% of the proceeds with the players. Yeah. That 175K. Now, remember that Starcraft is huge in, in Asia, so in Asian regions. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons why they might have had. Um, also, it's got the most, it's the longest pedigree world championships because it's been going on for many years now. Right. Know? In fact, that was the first true esport. I mean, I think StarCraft um, makes sense anyways. Just right. just the fact that it's stable still, it says a lot about right. it. Right. And it doesn't change very much other than once a year. Yeah. Once or twice a year, it gets a balance pad. Um, then the Wild Arena World Championship, which is a staple of BlizzCon, it had 132K viewers, but it only had a 280K prize pool. Mm-hmm. Overwatch. Um, now remember, this was the it was the World Cup version of Overwatch, so it was the na- it was the more national based, not the the professional team based. This had a 128k uh, um, prize pool with a peak viewership of 263k. So for this World Cup event, it had viewership the, the most viewership out of all of, uh, of all of, out of all the uh, properties. But its prize pool was the least. <laughs> so it's like, and I think that's where this guy was getting off. And then, of course, right. here's the storm had a million dollar prize pool, but its peak viewership was 64K. Now, okay, what does that mean? Does, right. Well, here's is not as popular, like we said. Um, once again, we talked about the fact that because of the, the split of the viewership, that also could be contributing to this as well. You know, mm-hmm. because you have you can watch it on the the virtual ticket, or you can watch it on Twitch. There was a lot more incentive to watch it on Twitch because of the drops, but it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone was uh, watching it on 
Twitch. You know, they could be watching it on the, the other platform. And then, of course, the format changes were not really great either. You know, they're losers bracket. Yeah. Um, and the match, other than the Team Liquid, uh, Genji, all the other matches are kind of meh. You know, I didn't really need to watch them. I watched the... I watched Team Liquid because I wanted I wanted to see if I was right. You the know? outcome was pretty expected across the board. Yeah, and I think you know, and then you know, just and then the fact that the you know the three O's and that well, people you know, so maybe the XP changes next year will make things a little bit closer. Maybe the you know the Korean gods will bleed more. You know, yeah, because of the changes. I mean, it feels uh, like it's getting closer. Realistically, yeah. though. Yeah. And maybe North America will mature, you know, to some degree. But once again, and this is, you know, where we harken back to um, uh, the the concept of sports and how it's managed, right? Mm -hmm. And here's the storm is the number two esport in Blizzard's portfolio, you know, prize pool wise. Um, it's the number, probably the number three in popularity, where you know you have. Uh, maybe number four, I guess, based on this uh, this, this exercise. Mm -hmm. You have Overwatch is the crown jewel. You yep. have, you know, then you have StarCraft with the most maturity, Hearthstone, and then Heroes of the Storm viewership line. Yeah. But, you know, all these other ones, other than uh, Overwatch, you can carry. You know, you yeah. can, it's a solo play. So the prize pools also reflect. I think the biggest objection was Overwatch World Cup. Really? Because yeah, well, 120k. It's a six-person team, so they're they're not making a lot of money. But they had <laughs> versus like you know, here's the storm getting a million dollars. Yeah, I know. Now, I think that's kind of funny, right? If you think about it. Yeah, I still think next year the price pool is going to be about the same. You know, so? here's the storm. I don't think they're well. They make a lot of money off of BlizzCon, right? And that's probably what funds that price pool. You might be right. You know, and it is one of their premier. You know, it's one of the most iterated uh, uh, games in their portfolio. So I could see it still getting a million dollars. And, you know, it really does come down to season, you know, the first season of HGC 2019, doing what the, the first season of 2018 did, capture yeah. people's attention. The problem is it just didn't capitalize on it in season two or the second half. Right. And, you know, as a result, you know, you know, it kind of lost its its mojo until the um the 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 playoffs where everyone was kind of doing the crucible type event. Yeah. So and I think they need to do a better job of hyping up the teams a little bit, right? Yeah. There's a lot of HCC and it goes on on you know, there's a lot of events yeah. follow sometimes. There's three regions, four regions, actually six regions. But, I know. And I've yeah. only watched one of them on on the regular. <laughs> yeah. I mean realistically but, if you watch all of HCC in a in, through the weekends, that's a lot of hours to watch. But what I like about it, to some degree, is that it is more homegrown. Mm -hmm. The players are the the players are the teams. You know, the teams aren't like multi million dollar assets right. that are yeah. you know that are overhyped. It's like it's it's um, player owned. Um, some people are critical of relegation. They think relegation because it creates so much instability. You know, because brand, comp companies don't want to support the the fact that a team could be you know could lose their spot. Yeah. Um, the old roll twenty esports kind of thing. <laughs> you know, uh, 
so there's that aspect of it as well. Um, I don't, you know, and then the the other thing is is that you know this is where it was coming at the later part of this year where not paradox was kind of discussing the fact that these players that make twenty thousand dollars a year ten thousand beginning ten thousand the end that's a shitty part-time job right yeah and, you know but can blizzard throw money and make it so that you can have a living wage there i don't know you know it's like maybe you would like them to but i, don't I mean know. if you think about and, it though other esports don't even have salary players no, the Dota. Yeah, Dota. You know, so everyone you know compares the MOBAs to Dota's the internet, the, the the international, right? The yeah. the thirty the thirty million dollar uh, crowdsourced um, event. The problem is, is that that's the only prize. All the other things are small lands, you know, or what have yeah, you. Yeah, local tournaments and, this, and stuff like that, right? Right. Which this thing eclipses all of those, right? And. So it's really difficult. So basically, if you're a Dota team, you either win or you place yes. or, you, you, or you get nothing. So it's not something that might be sustainable for the long term. It's now sustainable, but who, who knows within a few years, you know, that that's a sustainable practice or not. It mm-hmm. seems to be working right now. Maybe that's the thing is that these all, all these sports have a life uh, shelf life of maybe five, ten years. You know, without because of technology changes and the, the desire span, to move. whatever. Right. I mean, there there was discussion about Rocket League today on Heroes of the Storm. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, yeah. Where they're they're trying they're they they want rev, the teams want revenue sharing and they want you know and they're not getting it yet. And I feel like revenue sharing is is a really fair thing. Yeah, it helps. You know, everyone gets living wages and stuff. Right. You know? I mean, it's just if you think about it too, it's, it's like the players are what watch make. Works. I mean, the players are what make the content, technically speaking, right? It's, what, how, it's how Overwatch works, right? It's all revenue sharing. I mean, real sports like baseball and football all get the cities get revenue share from the teams and stuff like yeah. that. Baseball's not a great example. Not baseball, sharing. but uh, football. <laughs> but football is, football is yeah. one. Football, yeah. And that's the thing is, you know, I don't know what. Yeah, I'm not an economist. I don't know how yeah, all this stuff works. I don't know either. Works. But but I will I mean, see what I like. Yeah, and I do like the way the HTC is structured in a sense of how it works, but I don't like the playoff structure at BlizzCon. Yes. And, you know, I'm not sure what to do about the season. You know, I think it's a lot of, it's a lot of, it's important because it changes the meta. Yes. But then it also is somewhat confusing because they're always playing a couple patches behind where you're at. So there's that. And then you know, I was a little disappointed that Malganus was not playable. To yeah. be honest, because I wanted to see more of a meta shift. Right. And I mean, I get it. They want to make it so that it's fair, quote unquote. People have time to you know practice. And then the region aspects of the game as well. You know, where some teams are just you know like China is pretty much shut off from everybody until they come into the uh, the major events and. The way they play the game is a lot different than everyone, all the other region. And I'm not sure if it's cultural or what, but it seems like they come to our this event and they just get beaten. The one was the only one that made it out of the uh, yeah, no, initial rounds. So. It kind of made me... It was a little, it's a little sad to see that. I mean, from that perspective, right? Like, I would have rather seen, like, number three and... Number three seeds from EUNA... In, in BlizzCon to make it right. that much more of a toss-up or four for EU. Yeah. 
like well, you know they had fanatic come or um mm-hmm. was it team freedom for mm-hmm. third place na and i mean team freedom is one of those teams that usually is a dark horse when it comes to playing yeah. at land well you know there's two things about it i think number one is it a money problem the only Maybe. area i think it's a money problem is for the players you know yes. are they getting enough to stay engaged this is like they say it's a crappy part-time job you know it's yeah. like you know it doesn't pay as much but remember what we learned from the whole you know how sports affects us the reality is is that sports you know should be leading to them to have good streaming careers like people will watch these people play this and pay them money to stream and give them bits and you know uh kudos through twitch you know so that's really their where they're aiming, that's where they're going to get their own personal rep, maybe to market themselves, like yeah. they would to create hero guides and stuff. Um, but other than that, you know, other than winning a tournament, that's how they're going to get their money. You know, so, mm-hmm. and if it's if it's too hard to do, I mean, it's easier to go to Fortnite and you know cash in. People are going to do that. So maybe change the living. You know, maybe give them a little bit more money per season or per 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 part. I don't know, but. You know, I do think, you know, the the way so the, one of the things I, I think increased viewership was the Twitch because people are looking for free stuff. So mm-hmm. there is that. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't know what other than maybe the matches are interesting and approachable. I think when a game when you feel like you can play the game to some level of competency, um, that makes you want to watch it more. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe that's another aspect of it, make it more approachable. And one of the things I didn't really notice from BlizzCon is how are they incentivizing to have people try out the game? There was no information about new players. You know, no, there was no like, hey, you're, you want, we want you to come play the game. Yeah, other there's no like marketing, away, right? Right. But there's nothing specific to kind of get new, new eyeballs. Yeah. You know, you gotta want to play. Kind of, kind of like how the the when Chogo was released, it was about friends and getting you right. and your friends to play the game together, kind of thing. Exactly, and there was none of that, and yeah. that's because it's you know, and so maybe that's the thing is they kind of feel like, well, we don't really have to cater to new players. I mean, so I don't know, but huh. I think that's one of the other aspects of it. Like when you look at Rocket League, I could play Rocket League, and I'm not that good, you know, but you know. Flipping your car around, driving it up the side <laughs> of the hill—it's not like it's rocket science. It's just that they yeah, obviously, but it's rocket players. league, though. <laughs> but you get my point. It's very <laughs> approachable. Yeah. You know. and, yeah. I mean, I think to any MOBA, it's it. There's a learning curve to all of them, right? Yeah. But some of them invite new players, and I didn't see like how to engage or get new players to play the game. And maybe that might be my question to ask. Tomorrow is like, okay, so I, I saw you featured a lot of stuff to get, you know, to address uh, existing player uh, stuff. What is your strategy for, yeah, but what is your strategy to attract new players? Yeah, that would be a really good question. So, and, you know, I think that's really where it you know, comes down to is if the players feel that they can play the game. Maybe the um, rank play changes and all this stuff will also help people because before, you know, you either played Hero League or you didn't. Yes. Now it's like team leagues is back. Maybe this year with the team league and the changes to the might make the game a little bit more approachable. And the role and can, adjustment. Yeah, and the roles. Yeah, and maybe that they can focus on 
educational or creating some type of like minor league or something like that, you know, mm -hmm. to help new players, you know, maybe that'll be advisable. So, yeah. But yeah, well, I think we really kind of took that to the next degree. Yeah, we did. That, that escalated rather quickly. <laughs> so getting into, you know, getting into the hero, uh, the hero lab, uh, there was an article about defining what a tank is. Did you put up? Yep. So that so, was by who was the author? So we could shout him out real quick. Tim Rizzo? Yes. And so basically he had an interview with one of the head developers of do 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 Adam Jackson balance designer. And um, it was kind of just looking in depth and because it's been a hot button topic in the community is like what makes a tank a tank, right? And so he got to basically grab the ear of one of the lead designers and see what his thoughts on it were and like how they've kind of adjusted as it goes forward. Right. And basically what it winds up coming down to is, is it's a really complex question to ask. Because uh, I can imagine. Right. Like, I mean, there's so many different kinds of tanks in the game. Right. And sometimes you need a hard engage like a Murd and ETC Diablo. Right. Mm -hmm. But then other times there's tanks like Arthas and you don't need that because the enemy team's going to come to you and all you got to do is just walk, you know, provide your AOE slow. Right. And so they really have to be careful as a from a design standpoint to, to take whatever the flavor of the day is and not say, OK, this is what tanking will always be. You know, right. they have to stay pretty loose in the interpretation they feel, which is interesting. Right. You know, and, right. and then kind of like and rounds out the discussion with looking at Blaze and why they believe Blaze can be a main tank, you know, right. over over your well, Yeah, they've made some changes to that. Yeah. Um, you know, to make that happen. I think when he was first released, everyone said Bruiser, not main tank. You know, now I think people well, are I think, kind of coming. I mean, personally, because I, you know, like I said, I talk about Blaze too much. But I just I think he was really close on both ends of the spectrum. You know, mm -hmm. and I think it just wound up being that he was so efficient with wave clearing that he just fit better as like. And that was kind of what the lead designer said or the designer said. He said Blaze was kind of just fit as being a. Um, a tank, you know, or as a bruiser, because he was just better at those that particular role. And now with the talent adjustments they've been putting in, it bounces around that. And I think, too, they also talked about, like, how talents interact, you know, with Bunker being competitive versus non-competitive play. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, he was the lowest win rate tank in the game at um, casual level, right? Which yeah. is interesting, right? Because I didn't think, as a person who plays Blaze and enjoys Blaze, I didn't know he had a terrible win rate. I never even looked it up, to be honest, because I didn't care. I was just like, Blaze is fun. <laughs> Which is also yeah. weird, right? Like... <laughs> And I was winning games with them. And uh, I thought that was interesting. And then if you think about that from like competitive to not competitive, which like Medivh is another version of that. Medivh sucks in not competitive, but he's like broken in competitive when you look right. at his kit and stuff like that. So it's it's a weird end, like edge to balance off of to, when you think about it. Right. Mm. So I had I'm glad it's not my job to figure that out. <laughs> I think the qualities they decide, you know, a tank has to be something that's hard to kill. Yes. It has some type of appeal for their allies. Yep. To protect them. It's got to be able to initiate a fight. Yep. Um, 
And it's also going to have some sustain and survivability um, that they can control, you know, so yeah. that, uh, you know, they are dependent on a healer, but they also have some capabilities of kind of like weaving in the healers, um, in between the healers. And to me, what I look forward in a, in a tank, the biggest change of Blaze was, you know, the unstoppable, you know, Johanna, unstoppable. Tanks that have like some type of unstoppable self cleanse. Self cleanse have a lot of value to me. Yeah, and I, th- I think yeah, with with the switch that they made, where the mana return and stuff, and the CGR is not as important. Right. The ability to go new habits at the level one, I think, is a huge shift in pushing him into the main tank role. Right. And so you know, uh, someone like ETC, which I played some success, but it's also a lot of failure. Um, yeah, the, the the finesse on ETC is making sure you have your shields up all the time and you're mm-hmm. constantly power sliding. You know, right. That's your engage, that's your escape, that's your... And also how yeah. you're power sliding, right? Because there's the video yeah. or a an, pedal. analysis of, <laughs> right. you know, what angle yeah. of which you power slide in or out is important. Right. Yeah, you walk up. And the, the thing about tanks is a lot of people, we talk the way the tank should engage should be mounted. Yes, they shouldn't be walking up. The they should be mounted up the and walking in. Unless you're like Chen or you're Muradin, you can jump in if you yeah. or Tyrael. Um, Tyrael is like a mobile tank, you know, and he doesn't even make. I mean, Tyrael is a weird tank, too. Yeah. I mean, he. I don't even know how you really describe Tyrael because he doesn't. He doesn't do the typical things that most tanks do. Right. Right. I mean, he's got mobility, engage, and then like pseudo support characteristics, which is different across the board than any other tank. So yeah, I mean, I think we should save table material discussion for a different day because we could spend another hour or whatever to going over that one because it's pretty nuanced and complex. Yeah, you know, it's funny because like uh, was the previous week I played a lot more Blade and. The new blaze. Mm-hmm. I like the blaze. It's tanky with unstoppable mm-hmm. and combustion. I don't yeah. like. I like combustion now, and I think, you know, maybe it's because of my league. But you know, I can engage. No, I don't think. It's, I don't think it's because you're in your league at all. Mm-hmm. Going going combustion, I think, is a hundred percent the way to go. Because yeah. even in blazes on enemy teams that have gone bunker, ninety mm-hmm. percent of the time, I would say you see. They don't even like other than the blaze because he automatically goes in the bunker. They don't click it. It just it does. It just like it doesn't exist for most players, you know. And it's kind of like the idea of the Medivh portal, right? <laughs> it just. It I just, just think that you know, they engage on blaze. I think the blaze engage where, and then D's to get unstoppable. And yeah. Then R, yeah, EDR, and you know if you want to throw in an oil slick in there. You know, an extra oil slick and a, you know, and a Q, you can right. do that. Um, but he can just, I mean, I told you, like, basically, we were behind on several matches until late game. And all it did was, all it was is me walking in, being in, you know, unstoppable mm-hmm. heroic goes off. And then I would clean up with uh, my Q and another W. Yeah. So, and that pretty much ended the game, you know. So, it's not an early game, t- uh, you know, Blaze is a late game hero now, you know, and, you know, many of the tanks are late game heroes, you know, 
The only ones I would think that maybe have some kind of viability middle tier is probably like a Muradin. Johanna seems to always have the same. I mean, Johanna gets like more abilities, so she could probably be a, like an. She probably thrives a bit earlier. Yeah, I don't know. Johanna's weird because she just becomes more and more unkillable as the game goes on, but she's already right. pretty unkillable as it is. So it's yeah, kind of exactly. like. She's got a good engage. I mean, you, the only thing you get later. Or your blinds do um, increase people's damage. Yeah, know, so, exactly. Or heal you. So. So it's really not like crazy changing mm -hmm. or anything like that, but it's. It just, yeah. I don't know. John is just stable. I don't, I don't, I don't know how else to explain it other than stable. Right. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the idea of tank is going to be an ever evolving discussion. And the funny thing about Urel, so I've been playing a lot. Um, she does a lot of damage. I mean, they took, you know, they nerfed her some, you know, they nerfed her mana, right? Which yeah. was her sustain. Yeah. Um, and that's why she was winning the soul. I can see why she was winning the soul. Yeah. Played her enough. Like, you EN, you either W, you know, you DW or you A, and then you do a W, you know? Yeah. And then yeah. you E back out. And, you know, later on in, in the match, if you go the the town tree to increase your W, yeah. you're doing hell, you know, you're doing, you're taking away all the armor and you're yeah. chunking yeah. away. I mean, it's just funny to watch. Like, I could just jump on top of a Vala and, like, two hit her and kill her. You know, right. It's like, well, I mean, and you know, two, like, before they changed the mana, it was like yeah. you could you just channel your E, pop a free Q, and your like half the wave is almost dead. And then yeah. if you really wanted to, you channel your W real quick to clear right. the wave. But like, it really wasn't necessary. Yeah. And I think I don't. I've tried to play her as a main tank, you know, and do some of the main tank builds only because yeah. of like you know, playing quick match and I, right. and I feel my team needed the heals and the, <clears throat> the, the shields more. Yeah. And yeah. I took the sacred ground, which was the. Um, I don't like sacred um, ground. But it gives everyone, you know, so if you start, if you do your engage, you put that. Yeah. Armor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no one does, just like Anna's uh, Haley. Yeah. <laughs> Get away from the yellow circle. It's going to kill you. <laughs> well, I think, I think sacred ground itself is just one of those things that's like, it like over incentivizes you to, to name your location kind of. Yeah. So you, so you're like, I, at least from what I saw, like when we would play it, it's like, it over incentivizes you for staying in one spot. And that's where the Caliphus throws is, is, is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or it's kind of like the telegraphing of uh, Alex Straza, right? Like an Alex Straza has to put her W down yeah. far enough away so that your team can go back to it in time, but also not too close so that the enemy team is like, oh, hey, that's where they're all going to be. Let's like make sure they're dead kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's a little weird. And um, yeah, I just don't think Alex uh, Urel will work as a main tank ever. Just just to the other part is like her E is super telegraphed, like the channel right. time. Like you it's got that huge wind up animation with the wings sprouting and stuff, and then it has the yeah. it changes colors and stuff. I mean it looks amazing, right? But it, it's yeah. too easy to see. And then if you have someone who's good at the game, they're gonna be like, Well, if we know you're channeling, I'm gonna stun you, or like, you know, whatever. Root you. The byline is for Urel, she can win the soul lane. Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, even with the mana chain, she still wins the soul lane, unless you just play totally bad, you know, so. Yeah, I think you just have to be more mindful of how you play at that point, yeah. and then you just be, you know, you just don't spam your abilities at all times. You have to play around and, and I, trait and 
Yeah. And I know you're down on Anubarak, but I think when you have a heavy mage comp, I think Anubarak... Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Like, if you're going against mages, Anubarak is amazing. I just don't... Yeah. Sometimes sometimes he just feels too squish, right? And he's so cooldown dependent mm -hmm. that it's just... I just... Like, if your team isn't able to, like, see your engage and capitalize on it when you do decide to go in, Anubaraks get punished quite hard. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think that's where Chen is also somewhat. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a good spell man. He's a good counter spell. You know, mm -hmm. it's mages. Um, you just have to address his um, his if he gets CC, he can't drink his. Right. So. Yeah. Well, I think too, the game has so many incidental CC now. That tell like again telegraphing right. Right. Yeah, he's sitting there drinking, so you're gonna yeah. just CC. <laughs> so it's got. I think. I don't know. I guess to, at this point in the game, telegraphing things is makes it opens up room for counterplay that mm -hmm. decreases power level of heroes. Yeah. If that makes sense, like a Rainer yeah. Q interrupts so many things in the game. Right. You so, know, like if you yeah, think, think about it, <laughs> and that's what they need. Maybe some resistance or. Well, one of the things, one of the things I thought it would be interesting, kind of because people get upset about the mobility aspect of stuff. So instead of doing like a hard CC, like a root or a stun, you add the effect of grounding, um, right? Which which means basically you just nullify, like you just you're silenced, but only for a specific type of thing, right? You know, yeah. which that makes I, sense to me. I mean, that would be cool, right? It's kind of like a root, but you can still walk around. Imagine that, right? I guess would be the best way description it. So I don't know, just a thought. Yeah, yeah, we're on the same page on that one, I think. Yeah. So, um, uh, Critical Kitten, uh, he put out his seven days there. So there was a balance patch on October 31st. And as a result, um, because of some of the changes, uh, the win rates for heroes did get affected based on these changes, what we think the changes were from the, uh, the balance patch. So one of the big winners um, was Artanis. Uh, I think he got a little bit of buff to his shields and such. And what we're seeing in Team League, he's gotten um, a He's he's got he's up about two percent overall, but his hero league is down about a half a percentage. Oh wow! So, sorry, I didn't mean to <laughs> bore you with that. Oh no, it wasn't boring. <laughs> I've just been up for a long time. <laughs> yeah, same here. I got up at five o'clock this morning. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Kelthazad and and Falstad are you know they're still pretty high. You know, uh, you know, in around the fifty-two, fifty-three. But Kelthazad had a slight drop. Based because they took away some of his um his chain abilities, mm -hmm. uh, his e, they they kind of nerfed the E. So I guess people are, he still has a high win rate, but I guess people are adjusting their builds now. It's more of a W so, build now, right? Or focused. Right. right. Now the full stat change is kind of interesting. Like they, they changed the Z, right? So you know he's got a little bit more delay on his um uh his uh, global. But he's still like, you know, he's kind of increased in win rate. So I'm not sure if that's, uh, you know, if that's just because the meta is changing for heroes and he's just seeing some value because he seems like he's rising just a little bit in Hero League. He's, he's steady. Hmm. Um, then uh, Lili got some, got a little bit of a nerf, uh, but he also got some rechanges. And as a result, you know, her team league, she's down about three percent two and a half percent um here league she's down about one percent uh with her win rate so slight changes but she's still somewhat effective 
Huh. The big winner of all the changes this week, I would say, would be Lucio. Yes, His Hero League went up by about 3.5%, and his Team League went out about uh, almost 7%. So soon, he's now at a 50.6% win rate in Hero League and 53% win rate mm-hmm. in Team League. So he seems all the change the, the the two changes they did to amp it up seems to have, uh, have increased yeah. him. So um, just as a like at a little additional, as KSOS did his typical numbers breakdown in this one, and he he corroborates that looking at the numbers, right. saying right. that these changes push Lucio from basically in the dumpster fire all the way to um, these viable. Tier. Yeah, yeah, basically basically uh, competing with any other support in the game at this point. Which is interesting. Yeah. yeah. And it was Critical Kin, not KSOS. <laughs> was it? Well, KSOS did a numbers one, too. Yeah, I think it's Critical Kin on this one that I'm talking well, about. Well, no, the one you're talking about, yes, but I'm talking about a different article uh, that did his numbers. Okay. Yeah. That's why I say corroborating evidence. Okay. Well, the big loser this week was Lenara. Um, she's down about 5% here. Oh, wow. Too. Yeah. Um, this could be because of... Um, That's surprising. You know, yeah. Yeah. The, I think the, the changes because, didn't seem that like bad. Yeah. Um, Morgana stayed about the same, you know, even after the nerfs. So he's still a fifty-three and fifty-four percent here league, and about fifty-seven percent in team in team league. Taronda, she and you know, they continue to nerf her, and she's down about uh about she's about fifty percent win rate in here league. And fifty points, well, fifty-one percent in team league. Uther was another big winner. Um, he is uh, up about three percent or two, two uh, percent in hero league at about a forty-nine point nine, and in team league he's up about five percent or six percent. So he's out fifty-one percent. And I think you and I, we we kind of know why if he if he um, pairs well with the Johanna and goes divine storm. It's it's like Stun City. Yeah. You know? I mean, that comp is just... Ugh. It's just yeah. so not fun. <laughs> and so some of the changes he's gotten have definitely, you know, helped him kind of you know, achieve that, that new win rate. Um, I guess what we're going to see, though, with the the changes to, to shields and spell, you know, that kind of stuff, he might need a bit of a retweaking to make sure he still is viable. Because that's his thing. He's, he gives a Mm-hmm. Um, and then Zagara, she's still about you know the change. They made some slight changes to her, the nice network, and such. And so she's down about two percent across the board, but she's still a uh, fifty-two and uh, about fifty-two percent win rate. Um, also, uh, Critical Kitten did an article this week or in, within the week and talking success rate of um, Kerrigan after the rework. Yes. And I think the summary was, even though she's some, she's somewhat successful on Hero League and Team League in the HGC, she's picked more. She's definitely popular, but she's not as successful as um, Rainer. Yeah, Rainer and some of the other rework. There's other certain, just could be, I mean, even in BlizzCon, though, like you could see certain maps, like some teams still hadn't adapted to her playstyle, though, right? Like the yeah. Infernal Shrines, I think... Um, yeah. Who was it? That was the Liquid one. Yeah, Liquid played right. it. I mean, they just bodied yeah. the whole game with it. 
Yeah, I mean, she was you know, getting resets after resets. So I think Team yeah. Liquid definitely could write the article on how to play Kerrigan. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but uh, overall, you know, it was an interesting article. But the, the bottom line was the success rate of the hero is not as high, even though it's popular. Yeah. So. No, I agree. So it's got to be in the it's got to be in the right comp. Mm-hmm. And but I think that's fine. Home, I, I think that totally is a viable solution for everything. Yeah, yeah. I think the tweaks they've done to her has brought her back in line. She's definitely a viable mill, mm-hmm. but you know, she's got self a little bit of self esteem with the shielding and stuff now. But the resets are really what you know. She gets a kill. She can jump to the next opponent. Get you know, get a couple of keys in them. Uh, I think that's where and it's exciting she's like, too, right? Like it brings back like that yeah. kind of thing for like the sports yeah. thing, right? Like you get a Kerrigan pick, you're like, ooh, let's see, you know, like I hope it goes yeah, down, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And she's on the Alarak, um, yeah, you know, kind of wavelength, I think now. So yeah, a little bit, I would say so. She's a better. She's an Alarak that doesn't have to be as micro as. I was gonna say not as technically, <laughs> but like still technical, yeah. but not as technical, and a little bit more exciting to watch. Because an Alarak, it pulls you in, you press a Q, and you all of a sudden it's like, wait, what? You know? Yeah. Go ahead. So we're rounding out the discussion for this week. Uh, Sky Temple was the battleground that we featured both on Thursday and on Tuesday. On Thursday, it didn't get a lot of traction because of uh, BlizzCon and because mm-hmm. we didn't sticky the post. Um, we put it up yesterday. I put it back up yesterday. And you know it got it got a, a lot more traction that time. It got about forty upvotes, and you know, um, what was it about twenty seven k viewership? So it's interesting because I I look at the stats to see how often the page is viewed. And before I think it was like a thousand views, right? <laughs> when we don't feature it, and as soon as you put a sticky on it, it gets about you know twenty seven to thirty thousand views. Holy Just, cow! You know, that's insane. Yeah. The difference. And the thing about this map is it's a three lane map. You got to, you know, the, you know, basically the, the, what everyone was discussing is, you know, because it's such a large map, you got to have like a strategy for how to transverse it. So globals definitely have um, more value on this map, mm-hmm. but it's also one of those maps where you can avoid team fighting. Yes. You know, you can technically avoid team fighting and be okay until the very end, obviously when everyone hits 20. Now, if you don't team fight, you know, you're or press an advantage or a talent advantage, you could find yourself going, you know, a full level 20 and losing because you didn't, you know, you never did take advantage of your, uh, and that's the thing is the map can snowball. That's as a result. So I think it's advisable to pick enough here is that they'll give you the macro you need, but also let you win a team fight or two to help snowball. It. Yeah. It can feel pretty um, snowball. Like, especially if you ignore yeah. objectives and stuff. Right. That's or, what people do sometimes. Or if, or if you're area. getting outcamped, yeah. out being outcamped feels pretty bad too. Yeah. Um, one of the uh, an Abathur gets a lot of value on this map because the Abathur can heal the damage from mm-hmm. a, a temple early on. So um, mules are good, you know, and so, and he's the only one who gets a mule now. No, there used to have, I think there was mules and heroes. Like I think didn't like um, like Morales had a mule, so. They've removed that since like a long time. Yeah, ago. I think Abathur is the only one left with Mule. Yeah, yeah, he's the only one I'm aware of. So yeah, I mean Mule really is somewhat dead, which is fair too. I don't think, I don't think having, <sighs> I don't think mm-hmm. having, <laughs> I just don't think having a Mule in the game is is 
kind of aligns with the design objectives of the game anymore. Yeah, it's his unique thing. Maybe yeah. when they rework them, maybe they or they'll find a way to. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I, it does fit his fantasy. It does fit his fantasy though. You know, with regards to although it's a Terran ability to have a mule. Yeah, I know. I was going to say it needs to be something different, something Zerg. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and maybe they'll they'll figure out something where he's like you know putting a, a slime or something all over it, you know, right. creep. So uh, even though it's a Zagara thing, but. Uh, Maybe he has his own version of creep, creep, where he like, well, like infest the building or something. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, that's kind of a Zurich thing, uh, infestations and such. Yeah. Um, overall, the map, the you know, most people, you know, people are somewhat ambivalent. Some people like it, some people don't. Uh, obviously, jungling is a thing on this map, so Mathiel gets value, uh, Gina gets value. And obviously, uh, with regards to the bosses on this map, um, you should probably, as soon as you get an advantage, you should go bot. That's general consensus is that's the uh, the right play at this time. There is uh, um, an optimized play where you don't do objectives at first and you just soak. And like I said, if you oh, can, really? yeah, you can't. You and we would a lot of people recommend it. You show up to one objective only. Don't try to split up in between two. Always show up as a group of five because if they bring anyone in to kind of try to poke you out or anything like that, you might be able to kill them and then get an advantage that way and then go and invade if you need to. Another uh, thing that was recommended is remember that the enemy camps, because there's, there's two sides, mm-hmm. you know, if you do get an advantage, take the enemy camps because they give you more value than getting your own camps. So. Yep. You know, so that's another kind of tip to trick thing to do. Um, they also feel like Falstag gets value not just because of his global, but also because Gust, you know, or his other Hinterlands Blast, right? Which either one uh, gives them a, a lot of value there because people are grouped up, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, the overall, I think there was a positive, um, you know, kind of a engagement the second time around and uh, we got a little bit more feedback uh you know that's how i have i mean i, I mean it's one of my favorite like i said I like, you know me i like to play yeah you know i like to, you know but uh because it's a jungle map and such yeah and i think it can be frustrating to play on the map yeah sometimes but that pretty much wraps up this week unless you have yeah. anything else showing nope and to be honest i'm getting pretty tired yeah. <laughs> As you could probably tell. So just remember, everyone, there's an AMA tomorrow. Probably by the time you hear this podcast, it's already occurred because we take about a day or two to get these podcasts out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of um, the other podcasters have been, they've had a couple episodes pu- published this week because they're doing their BlizzCon interview and getting those published. So you might, like, if you listen to, like, uh, Lords of the Storm or... Uh, 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 Kyle Ferguson's uh, podcast. You might hear like a couple podcasts this week. Yep. So we're, we're going to have a lot of duplicates um, this week. Um, also, the World of Podcasts did um, post their BlizzCon uh, Calm Before the Storm panel for Here's the Storm. I did feature it this week on the uh, the podcast review on Reddit. So if you, I definitely recommend getting that because then you get to hear all the what is it like to start your own podcast? Maybe next year we can be participants in that if we uh, if this thing continues. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty neat. Cool. Well, 
that's all I got this week. So if you want to reach out to me, I'm LDAP TV on Twitter, and you can find me on Reddit. Just make a shit post, and I'll probably delete it for you. <laughs> <laughs> I like how that's your, your tagline now. Yeah. Uh, and as always, this is Wendell Tron, or Eric, actually. It's kind of what I go by, because my YouTube channel is kind of hiatusing right now. Dormant. Whatever you want to call it. It's all those podcasts you do. <laughs> yeah, I know. I do a lot of podcasting now, so it's kind of... I, I, I much more enjoy doing this stuff than I do uh, the the video editing stuff. Because I just... Part of it was... Uh, I don't know. I just don't feel like I add as much value as I did before. Still in, just as into the game, but I think having these kind of discussion formats is more... Our own unique spin on it, providing more value. And then my own other podcast, Feeding Curiosity can find us on any platform because of Anchor being amazing and everything like that is also up on its way. Just broke our 500 plays. So first Damn. 500 in the bank, baby. That's a lot of plays. I know. I'm pretty excited. I mean, that doesn't count everything, too. That's 500 since I joined Anchor, which is about f- six months ago. So well, I think you, you like I said, I think your title is interesting. You know, feeling yeah. Curious. Yeah. So I, I think people yeah, are, I love the title. You know, <laughs> We're experimental, right? They'll like, you know, they'll search and they'll say, oh, let me hear this guy's. Yeah. You know, so I think you get some like kind of drive-bys mm-hmm. and, you know, that's all. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I mean, and I'm trying to interview people too, people that are interesting in my friend group. And we're all kind of have these, our own unique takes on the world and we're all doing our own little thing. Mm-hmm. And I happen to be the conduit in it in some way. The, the great <laughs> thing is I don't think you're ever going to have to interview me for your uh, feeding curiosity episode because we do this every week. Yeah, <laughs> so I know. Like, yeah. I mean, I still like to interview you at some point, so it'd be kind of cool. Just to get yeah, the, I mean, just to get I don't the, think it's the, the, I think you probably have a lot more people. If you get to the bottom of the drag is you really have a hard time <laughs> to interview me and I'll, I'll make it entertaining. But, <laughs> but I think, you know, it's like I said, I think you have a pretty good you have a pretty deep friend pool there, and they all seem to have like their interesting take on things. I, I, mean, I, haven't, I wanted, I wanted to hear the taco episode. I just haven't had a chance. To yeah, I mean that that one is is really good. I, it's not about tacos, Billy. It's a, he's, no, he, he his, his gaming handle is his gaming <laughs> handle is taco. His <laughs> last name is taco. It's his last name is tacos in it, right? So uh, yeah, it's close to it. So it's, yeah. it's it's funny. Yeah, but I mean that one is is one of the weird ones too because he kind of turns the tables and interviews me midway through the podcast and i can see him doing that to you <laughs> yeah he, he, it turns the tables a little bit and we wound up getting a little uh motivational speaky unintentionally but i think we have enough wherewithal to 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 also not be too you know instagrammy motivational <laughs> do you think after you, do you think after you do these podcasts with these with your friends and stuff that you're closer to them yeah i mean it's it's really fun like being able to just not have like phones around or distractions and just kind of just shoot the shit and mm-hmm. go deep on things that you don't normally get to say in a, in a normal conversation, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, a lot of times, I guess for guys, like you get into this, like it, it usually involves beer, you know, and you're out yeah. at a bar and you're, you're you know, kind of like the napkin math, so to speak mm-hmm. that happens. And that's kind of like where this evolved from, right? Where me and my friends would go to the bar and all of a sudden we'd get on these really deep intellectual conversations and we're like, why the fuck aren't we recording these things? You know, right. and, and a lot of it, too, is like not being afraid to say certain things because I think um, you're comfortable. Well, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. in, and in certain in certain ways, the current climate of the world is is so like walking eggshells 
that I think yes. you need to have these open forum discussions and be like, hey, maybe maybe the problem is, is that we are saying you shouldn't be talking about these things. And maybe we do need to talk about them and get them out in the open so that we don't feel so weird about when they get brought up, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of the, the that was where like the baby steps of it were like probably a year and a half ago. And then it's mm-hmm. just evolved into this thing about getting stories and things. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you've had these friends for a long time. Yeah. I'm fortunate. The guys I went to high school with work, you know, I got, we all work together. We all live in the same area now. That's awesome. <laughs> and, we, and we're very, you know, it's like we're, we're somewhat intimate because we know each other. We've known each other for so long. But what yeah. I've found is it's interesting is you don't think your friends change, but they do. Oh, yeah. They do change. And you have to not view them with the lens you viewed them in high school. You yes. know, you can still use that as kind of like a way to kind of ground them. But, you know, the reality is you, everyone changes about every seven years. And yeah, I mean, I would know, even say not, people change even more frequently than that. Yeah. There's a theory that, you know, cell at the cellular level, you know. Oh, yeah. Body, every cell in your body is yeah, regrown. Yeah. And, but, you know, you, you know, think about it like when you were you were seven years old versus when you were 14 versus when you were 21 and 28. You yeah. know, the way you thought, the way you processed information, your your brain was still expanding. Were you that you you're the same type of person, but you're much different. And then mm-hmm. it's the same. Like, I, you know, I got to like when I have my friends that have kids and stuff, they can't. They have they're a lot different because of having children and more responsibility. So yeah, I keep hearing that same thing. I don't have, obviously I don't have kids yet, but it's yeah. kind of like one of those things you can't describe it until you have one have a kid of your own. <laughs> or don't feel the consume, switch. They can they consume you. They're the yeah. video. They're the real video. <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, they're the ones that you know you're trying different strategies to try to keep them safe and yeah. they're going to resist it and stuff. So, but the bottom line in, in the, in the day, you know, like I said, you know, it's about making connections. And I think your connect, your interviews, you can tell there's a connection that's deeper than most people's connections. That's one of the things like people comment about me with my friendships with my, my two friends is like, wow, you've known each other for so long and you're still like you're still involved in each other's lives to some degree, influential to even. Um, I don't have that because my friends, mm-hmm. I, I moved away from all my friends. And so my, my, uh, my, my friends have only been like, you know, friends for like a few years. And I think that that's kind of a, not, you know, I thought it was just normal, but to right. I find out it's not normal. It's not. You yeah. Know, I mean, you have you're you're probably closer to family members. More oh, than we closer. Well, I mean, we, we are. I mean, like we're actually going to be doing one for the Feeding Curiosity podcast, and so we we've been starting to do a Friendsgiving. We call it. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it's not really like a special thing, right? I think Friendsgiving is more and more common these days than it probably has or ever has been, and it's probably been around even longer than that. It's just, you know. It is what it is, but we, we try to set, you know, time together like that because, you know, we're all getting older now. And so for us to all be in the same room and we have like extended satellite friends at this point, too. So it, it is evolved. Right. And we don't even t- we like for the main core guys of our group, we don't even say, you know, we're friends anymore. We basically say we're brothers. Right. You know, it's the family right. we chose and the, instead of the family by blood kind right. of thing. And. And I, I sometimes I think about having like this, you know, secret little thing where we take over like a neighborhood 
as like friends, <laughs> like our core group, whatever. And, you know, you know, the wishful thinking of like all of our kids to live block, like a house from each other and become friends or whatever. And instead of calling it like, hey, this is like Mike or something or whatever. It's like, hey, that's Uncle Mike. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, just making up our own little tribal community, basically. And I mean, yeah. outside of that, too, is like this podcast is like my way of connecting all of the people I've touched in my life, like you and um, people from school, like NNIU, who I've met. They all listen to it and they're like, dude, you're like you have all these really interesting people. And it's like it, it's it's weird for me because they make, make it sound like it's my thing. But it's like I'm just the conduit that like is connecting all of these people that may or may not have like had conversations with them before. I just happen to be the one recording it. <laughs> I take no ownership at all. <laughs> it's just it's really fun to, to start developing these these interpersonal connections mm-hmm. between people and like being able to be sharing it and just all all of it. it it's just so much fun to me. And I, I, I there's so many ways I can go with it. And the one thing about people is they like to talk about themselves. Yeah, they don't think that they do. But if you can get people to talk, they they definitely will spill the beans. Oh, know? yeah. And you just kind of find out what's, you know, I mean, I think, you know, I, I haven't read any books on interviews yet, so yeah. I don't know. But I, I, I definitely, when I talk to people, like when I, when I meet new people, I've learned by observing my other friends how to, like, introduce and get people to break the ice, you know. Yeah. And, you know, that's also kind of a, you know, if you, in, in when you can validate people's positions and, and their thought processes and such. Yeah. They feel, they feel. I love that stuff. Know, <laughs> not so much alone and the yeah. fact is you're always trying to figure out ways to improve you yes know, whether it's like trying a new technique or yeah i mean process, <laughs> you, you know my you know my take on it it's all about yeah. basically applying the engineer's process to life in whatever way yeah. you decide that to be and yeah. you know and, and and i guess just as from another philosophical view is instead of going big broad i go personal and be like what can yeah. one person do like what did you do in your life like a struggle you overcame and would it, and then you just lay it out there for someone and they can take it and or leave it right and just mm-hmm. they see where it ends up right and maybe it makes sense to them maybe it doesn't but like you know for one person it'll make sense for another person it won't and for someone it's be like, eh, maybe it works maybe this does it i'll try it for myself and i think i think that like because it's disguised as a conversation you're not going to realize what you're taking away from it until you're like oh wow you know <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the the core ingredients of any successful interview is can you get to the level where you sure that you care, mm-hmm. you know, and I think and, and that's like a secret I learned about management. Yeah, you know, it's like you know, when you employees think that you care about them, they'll work twice as much, you know, harder. Absolutely. Usually, usually the more you dedication you show of, and stuff. Yeah, actually, I actually just thought about that today while I was at work. So like. At work right now, we're like incre- incredibly busy and like we're ramping up to be even more busy, like hiring mm-hmm. said like 10 plus temporary employees or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what that means is like my my lab manager has been staying every day. He gets in probably like seven, seven o'clock or so every day and stays until probably seven, you know, and mm-hmm. I, he doesn't say like, hey, you guys have to stay later or like whatever. Or he's like, overtime is OK. And it's like, if you guys can say it, that's great. If not, whatever, like you're not being forced. And like, I wound up saying like an hour late every day just because like, I just feel like it's just to be like necessary. Like there was no one told me or forcing me to do it. It just like, 
Yeah. I'm just going to do it. Yeah, you know, and try to help out as yeah. much as I can, even though my schedule is quite limited. You know, I'm like, well, I'm here already. Might as well put in a little bit of extra time just to, you know, take the yeah. edge off when I can. Yeah. You know, and it's not like it's stressing me out. I mean, it's a little stressful just because everything I'm doing, but... Yeah. It is what it is, right? <laughs> what we might do is the end of this episode. Part of it, so people are like, "This isn't about here's the storm anymore." <laughs> yeah, I know this is us just shooting the shit like we normally do. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I'm a little tired too, so I'm gonna let ones are trying off. But I just wanted to kind of, I like to engage them about it. Yeah, These I know. Projects, so. I, I'll, I'll always, I, I love talking about it, man. <laughs> it's probably a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, I've seen like you know when you know you were doing it a little bit, like yeah, you had a few episodes, in, and then we started doing the podcast, and then you just dove right in. It was like mm-hmm. episode after episode. It was like, and we're and the th- great thing about us is we're regimented every week. Wednesday oh, yeah. nights, we're, we're recording. So well, Wednesday like, Wednesday nights is my is is I know I don't schedule anything on Wednesday night is like between you know eight and ten whatever. I mean yeah. now it's later, but like, <laughs> yeah, I this try, is like we've, not we've done this for four months now. You know, I know it's crazy. Uh, doesn't feel like four months. Yeah. <laughs> and this means like, and the, like we said, all it takes is a microphone, an MP3 recording, some bouncing at the end, and yes. then getting yeah. a platform like Anchor. To I mean, Anchor is so amazing. It makes it so easy. And the crazy thing mm-hmm. too is like people are starting now to like know that I'm this like podcasting dude, like within mm-hmm. like real life. Yeah, I know it's weird, right? There's a real life mm-hmm. out there. Um, and they like, they'll start asking me questions about being, like podcasting like so what do i need to do like what equipment do i need like like how easy is it to do this i'm like dude just use anchor like anchor is so amazing because like you go anywhere else you're going to spend you know our monthly cost to like get a libsyn or whatever and like it's just insane or or you have file size limits which is another hurdle yeah it's all these like little micro crap i mean anchor's like you know the the web interface is i mean sometimes it takes for a while for it to process your upload but yeah you know, I mean, for what it is, though, I mean, I'm spending an extra okay minute or it. two. I mean, it's yeah. it's a great it's a great hosting platform, and it makes it easy. Like, I mean, too, the other part of it is like jumping to the hurdles of getting onto like Spotify and stuff. Like that is a nightmare if you're just like. <laughs> Not for us. We just no, use Anchor. We're on. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Like that's why I switched to Anchor because I was like, I'm on two platforms. Well, like it was like three because it's like. Basically, you get on no. you get on iTunes, and then you get on any of the other ones that just aggregate from iTunes yeah. automatically. Now you're on all. Now you're on them all. Yeah, and it just kind of works, you know. With I actually, zero effort. I actually had to send an email for my feeding curiosity because it had authentication issues for some reason. Probably because I was switching mm-hmm. from already being hosted somewhere, um, mm-hmm. so it, it didn't like clear right away. But then they like double checked it and like, oh wait, never mind. It looks like you got stuck in the loop, and now you should be seeing, you know, adjust like pop-ups for getting on the other platforms within 24 hours and like it fixed itself so it was like it's great like after that i was like cool i'm in you know I'm, I'm locked in and now it's like you know if i look at my metrics it's like spotify is like my number two overall yeah, yeah. i so, can see that because people might be like saying you know something you know, well i mean that's that, i mean that's how i like introduce it half the time it's like well we use a pro- like you know it's like what are you guys on and i'm like oh we're on you know mo- I, because anchor is the main platform majority of the plays come from anchor but then it's like well we're on itunes and then we're on because you know, I link it from Anchor onto the website, but then it's like iOS and Spotify. I'm like, you can find me on there. And like, and people, as soon as I say Spotify, it's like, oh, really? I use Spotify all the time, right? Because everyone uses Spotify mm-hmm. for music. So then it just kind of makes a logical leap to go to Spotify for podcasting if you already use the service. So, yeah. Well, it was like, you know, so what was it? Um, 
uh, what was it? Uh, Saw Jake and his podcast. You know, they're they're doing these kind of. But he does MP3 format too, which is I don't know where he uploads to for that one. Right, but he doesn't do it anymore. He says, yeah. you know, because he doesn't pay for. It. I was like, dude, just use Anchor. He didn't respond, so I was like, all right, well. And then yeah. there's all these Twitch, these Twitch streamers that try to have their like, you know, Nubcakes try to have a podcast. He called it a podcast, but it was Is a really? bot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they call them podcasts when they just bot. I just think people they call them podcasts, but they use it use Twitch as the format, and I don't think you yeah. need to do that. I just really don't. Yeah, I think you should just. You know, Bare you should export it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, the problem with like I said, Twitch is a big distraction. You're watching yes. the, you know, you got chat. And, and, I think Twitch but, would work if you're doing an AMA. Yeah. You know, if you're trying to do an AMA style thing, fine, go with it. But mm -hmm. if you're trying to do a legitimate podcast and you stay on topics and do all that stuff, you just figure out a way to record it. You know, and I mean, I guess it's amazing too that we're able to record this thing and we are like literally halfway across the country from each other. <laughs> you're chicago on east coast yeah i know funny. like it's crazy <laughs> well i will say that you know what i'm looking forward to doing in 2019 is doing some youtube content you know mm -hmm. well maybe it's twitch content that gets exported to youtube yeah i really think twitch should try to figure out how to do their own version because like i'd love to watch certain videos like say calvary against mm-hmm you know, he does some really good content, but I don't right. want to watch an entire VOD. I'd like for him to, like, you know, create these Targeting like, content. YouTube videos, but on Twitch. And then it's easy for yeah. you to subscribe to his, you know, his kind of VOD, VOD channel, you know, and yeah. not have to, like, load the entire I, I think, Twitch. I think that's the, I think the nat that that's the nature of the beast for anything that's live recordings, yeah. right? Like, I, like this podcast, right? Like, how many little nuggets that you could, like, quote out in this podcast that are, in, like, would be useful to someone? But it's embedded in like an hour and a half of conversation. Exactly. You know, and I, and it's the nature yeah. of the it's the nature of the beast, though. Yeah, we could do like them in segments as well. You know, we could like record a segment. Yeah, we could this article. But yeah. per but personally, I love the candidness of full conversations, and I don't like breaking yeah. the flow. And so yeah, it's true. like you know, I like leaving the little encapsulations in time, and let them yeah. be what they are. You know, and you know, hopefully it makes sense. <laughs> So there's two things I'd like. I'd like to do some YouTube content, like maybe with you and I doing that, mm -hmm. picking up where you were with YouTube and just like duos. You know, yeah, I would maybe, love to do duos at the very least. And just see what the, see what the, um, how the matchmaking changes, you know, and then maybe yeah. dual queuing or tri queuing and trying to pick those three heroes or two heroes that kind of can carry. You know, yes. And how do you carry together? And maybe that might get yeah, some I mean, traction. It, with I mean, that kind of reminds you of like that, like that, uh, Johanna Uther combo that we saw where it was yes. like the Johanna would come in with condemn and right behind that the Uther would be be there to follow yeah. up with the E and then follow that up with the divine storm like mm. you know well, that's a really Uther easy can, combo to pull off right <laughs> yeah. Uther can solo you know with that you know, he can yeah. solo some and take him and take him from everything to nothing and yeah and something. especially if you go the armor reduction talent on the E right yes. you go full mm -hmm. E build what I guess would be the thought mm -hmm. process there I mean Something to think about, right? And I mean, there's, I mean, yeah. the duo collection just gets larger and larger and larger the, the longer this goes on. Yeah, hopefully you have more self-sustained heroes in your pool, so you don't right. need to deprive them of critical heals. Other yeah, than that. I mean, I think that's the, I think that's the, the drawback of Uther, right? Is you have to really be like, you know, 
<laughs> the other thing I hope to do in 2019 is less hero discussions, um, just do them once a week and then hopefully work with someone that's else to do the other ones. Cause we already have a, we have the entire library now. Right. So we don't yeah, need I think, to kind of, I, I think going back wouldn't be as useful. I think it would be useful if they get reworks. So like right. looking at getting a hero discussion, maybe two weeks after the Sylvanas stitches reworks mm -hmm. and you know, post balance changes or whatever they do, you know, right. after they get reworked and then talk about it from there would be cool. Well, my thought process is on Tuesdays when they have the to work with the person that's on Reddit that's been doing the, the free rotation announcements and just link the existing hero discussions we have on them there mm -hmm. as part of the discussion. So then, you know, if you're here's the free to play rotation, if you don't know how to play these heroes here's the links to the previous discussions we've had also discuss what you think about these heroes right and so yeah, yeah. kind of that's the tuesday and then any and then i can go through those discussions if there's new videos or something i can mm -hmm. put them in the, the body it's not going to matter and then um with regards to the thursday discussions they would be specifically on heroes that are just or new heroes or reworks or ones that maybe we should just revisit anyway <laughs> so for a discussion yeah, and I think that that would be a much better approach, and that that will free up my time to maybe look at to do some YouTube content. So right now I'm pretty much, you know, Reddit moderation and trying to keep the hero and podcast discussions. Oh, right. in the beginning of 2019, I'm not going to do the podcast uh, roundups anymore. I think I've done my duty to God and country raising awareness. Uh, hopefully, we'll just have a <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I think that's it's fair because it's one of those things. Like once people are enjoy those podcasters, they're going to subscribe to them and yeah. That'll be the end of it, and, right? Yeah, and the other thing I don't do is I don't uh, I don't sticky those posts because they're kind of more personal projects. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I don't know if sticking them would get a lot more. I, what I want to do is encourage the podcasters to post their podcasts on Reddit, you know, mm -hmm. and make other people aware of it, you know, and then um, instead of me having to do it. So that way, like, you know, right now, none of those podcasters other than like Jules, um, Jules Scott, She's the only one I notice that posts her podcast every week. Like, you know, A Move TV doesn't. Core does. Oh, Core like posts the interview recently, but they don't really post their podcast. Lords of the Storm usually doesn't. They'll post on Heroes Heart. You know, uh, Gankbush and the other, you know, the other guys. They don't post their their podcast there. So what I'm hoping is by January that everyone just posts their podcasts up there when they have them. You know, and yeah. And, because I know people are a little worried about self-promotions, but you can post at least once a week if you create content. Uh, it's acceptable to post it once a week as long as you interact with the fans on the forum. And that's kind of important. So yeah, we frown upon people just saying, here's my link to my art. Like, Chaos and Critical get away with it on because they're just good. They are good writers. But we don't. We frown upon people that just say, here's my link. Go it over here you know because you're just driving content to another we really want the content to stay in reddit yeah i mean because you, you want to be original content you want to be like just a yeah, linking service exactly. yes exactly you can use twitter for those things right <laughs> exactly yeah all right well we put an extra half an hour on this i know I just of course that's how the, i swear to god dude this happens in every podcast all right we're gonna stop recording now everybody i apologize turning this into a totally different discussion <laughs> well it's just kind of giving you guys like a meta view yeah, I guess through. Yeah, you what, don't have to do it. What do we talk about outside of Heroes of the Storm? So what we're gonna do is here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna end the podcast. Like, we'll I'll put the bumper to end it. Like
Yeah. But this is part of the annual say this is the bonus content. <laughs> yeah. The half hour ex- extended edition. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Peace out. It's late as hell. Peace.